Hey, sisters and brothers, I have a new sponsor, my friends Gary and Mary Lou from AlkalineWaterSoGood.com. They are international Kangen water distributors. Kangen water is delicious water created from Enagic's innovative water technology. Enagic is a 56-year-old Japanese company with 40 offices in 23 countries, including an office in Manila and eight offices in the U.S. And it is the leading manufacturer of alkaline ionizers and water filtration machines in the world. Not only do these devices filter your tap water, but they also produce ionized alkaline and acidic waters through electrolysis. These waters can be used for various purposes, including drinking, cooking, beauty, and cleaning. Can you imagine never buying bottled water again? The plastic and bottled water often contains BPA and other chemicals, which are proven to be hazardous to your health. And how much fun is it lugging cases of it from the market, recycling it, and you know, plastic is an environmental nightmare. According to Gary, it's also a great way to add an additional income stream. He's been selling machines for over 12 years internationally, and everyone needs the healthiest water in the world. So folks, if you have any questions about Kangen Water, check out their website at alkalinewatersogood.com. That's alkalinewatersogood.com. Or you can email them at gary at garyballin.com. You're listening to the Wolf's Den Radio Show. Talk. Hello, sisters and brothers. Welcome to WGRS Talk. The Wolf's Den Radio Show Talk. It is Easter Sunday. Happy Easter to everybody who celebrates it. Uh, Did you get your Easter egg uh, hunt going during this pandemic? I'm not sure if... uh, I saw some online, but not really... I think people are still staying away away from from that stuff. But happy Easter. I hope you guys are having a good uh, Easter Sunday with the family. And uh, if you listen to this and it is already in the past, I hope you had a good Easter Sunday with the family. So, how's everybody doing? Um, Nothing much. Everybody here in California is, I think, uh, eligible to get their vaccine. So, every adult... I think 50 and above, I think, is the first uh, wave. And then the rest will be uh, next. So if you are in California and you haven't been vaccinated yet, check out the internet. (laughs) Uh, You're always on it, so check out that news. Um, Who are the new eligible people to get the vaccine? Um, And what else? Hashtag Stop Asian Hate. Hashtag stop Asian hate crimes. It's still going on, ladies and gentlemen. We, I see it here on the news all the time and uh, online. And uh, you got to speak out, man. You got to speak out to our Asian brothers and sisters. Even if we... You know what? I, I, I'm i going to be real. I'm going to keep it 100. You know, Asians don't really care about other Asians. Because we have so... because And, and I don't want to say that as a negative thing. But uh, in a sense that each Asian country has such a unique culture to each other. 
that um, you know we don't really uh, how should I say we don't really fraternize with each other when you know we would we would fraternize uh, fraternize with fellow Filipinos if you're a Filipino or if you're Chinese you stay with your community most of the time it's like that of course there are exceptions you know um, when when you intermingle but in the but a lot of uh, uh, cultures they usually stay with each other because of the fam- familiarity fam- familiarity <laughs> sorry um, and uh, of course the culture you know you, you you relate to the same things or you relate to the same food and whatnot so that said even though we don't really you know um hard to say we don't really care for much about each other when we're in our own countries but here in America it's different you know uh, because Asians are a min- minority and especially Asians of that are Chinese and Korean and Vietnamese usually uh, but especially Chinese and and Korean because they have been um, the longest Asian immigrants of, of, of the United States of course Filipinos have been here in the States way before um, you know before even uh, Christopher Columbus quote unquote discovered America so even Filipinos man we've been here man All a lot of Asians have been here to California because California used to be Mexico and there was there was obviously trading going on between the Philippines and Mexico so there was a contingent you can look this up in Wikipedia. They were the uh, a group of Filipinos. They were actually stowaways. They wanted, they wanted to get the hell out of the Philippines, man. <laughs> maybe because uh, maybe because I think we were still under uh, Spanish rule. Maybe there's like let's get out of here, man. Let's go to Mexico. Maybe, you know, it's you know nothing can be worse than this. You know. So anyway, so they 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 were stowaways. And they landed in Morro Bay in California. And I've been to Morro Bay. There's a campsite there. And a really good uh, event happened there with, with some friends of mine. We had a huge, a huge um, a camp out. You could call it a, a jamboree of sorts because there's a lot of people there. A mini jamboree. So it was fun. Yeah, so Morro Bay. Uh, check that out on, on Wikipedia, man. Filipinos have been in in America, in American land, far more than a lot of Americans have. So, you know, that's that's a fact. So be proud of it. Anyway, um, what else? What else is going on, man? Uh, check out some new music, man. Uh, the Dead Daisies. They're a really good band. Um, the bassist of Deep Purple, Glenn Hughes, a lead guitar, I mean lead vocals and bass guitar on this one. And man, I love his voice. So check them out, Dead, The Dead Daisies. And uh, if you're a vinyl uh, connoisseur or I mean a vinyl person, whatever, <laughs> vinyl records, if that's your thing, uh, go check their vinyl record out, uh, their vinyl recording of their album uh, gosh I forget the name right now god but it's really nice the packaging is so good it's a a gatefold uh, style you know packaging 
So it's it's really trippy. So check them out. The Dead Daisies. All right, moving on. This is episode 20. And um, it's going to be a really great conversation with an old and good friend of mine. And he was also a, a, uh, uh, a DJ, a radio, FM radio DJ back in, back in the day, back in the 80s and 90s. And uh, he was also the lead singer of The Breed, hard rock band The Breed. And uh, he's, um, when you hear this interview, for those of you who don't know him, this is the voice that I was hearing on my radio. He was introducing music that I was like, oh, this is cool, this is cool. And uh, he had maybe a 20-year career doing that, and he still actually is a rock singer until now. He is uh, planning to, I guess, reunite the breed. Not reunite, but uh, continue the breed, the breed's legacy, but with uh, new members. So I am talking about Charlie Y., Charlie Ismael and uh, we had a really really good conversation I, yeah he's, he's a cool dude he's a great singer he's a great performer man this guy knows how to rock out he has the true rock and roll soul so ladies and gentlemen sisters and brothers boys and girls and your doggy too WDRS Talk presents Charlie Y alright Charlie Ismael. Yes, Great. sir. Um, the last time I saw you, I don't remember anymore, man. It was such a long uh, time. Remember? It must have been it must have been 2010 because I remember I remember buying a CD of uh, one of your CDs. Of, okay. Um, you, st- you were still with David. Uh, oh, locomotive. Uh, locomotive. Lo- Locomotive, yeah. That was 2010. Yeah. We met at um, Handlebar. <laughs> a long time ago, bro. Wow. Yeah, I remember Handlebar. And I, I miss... That was a good place to uh, to hang out, you know? Yeah, you bet. You bet. Good place to hang out. Good place to uh, play also. You know, before the lockdown happened, uh, I was trying to get a gig there, but... Uh, the problem was they ha- had a complaint from the from the village next mm. door, which was Bel Air. Okay, right. they had a complaint, and uh, you know the local the local barangay, the local authorities came, and uh, they sent them a message that you have to tone down your your bands, your live bands. So they switched to acoustic. Oh. They didn't have the they didn't have the electric bands anymore, which was such a bummer. Man. Oh, Shucks. so that was before the lockdown. I haven't heard about them since the lockdown. No. And places like those are closed, talaga. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, uh, close to Handlebar was uh, Alchemy, which I'm sure you remember. No. Right. Um, I would frequent the place because my friends from Ko Jones, Sila Warren Norton and the Borgaili brothers, they used mm-hmm. to play there twice a week. So right. we used to go. On, we used to go on a Saturday, and they'd make me jam, you know. And that place is uh, closed as well, you know. I mean, it's it's too difficult if you don't have live acts, especially in the, especially in that area, uh, Poblacion Makati. 
Yeah. All right. It's it's too hard to uh, bring in enough revenue to pay the rent because I'm sure the rent is so high there. Right? Yeah. There. Wow. <clears throat> so what was your what's your uh, what's your latest project? I mean, is it still Spirit of 70, 76? 67. No, 67? not anymore. Yeah, Spirit of 67. No, not anymore. I left them in uh, June of 2018, okay. which is uh, almost three years ago. And uh, as of late, I decided late last year, sometime late October or maybe even early November, that I'm resurrecting the breed, dude. <laughs> oh, yeah, I heard about that. There you go. So, uh, you know, we've already recorded uh, many demos, uh, almost uh, 15. One more to go. And then so, uh, we we want to release an album. Wow. So who, so, so who is it? Is it Larry on drums? No, no. Uh, I'm the only original left. Okay. Oh, on drums okay. is uh, Jay Alviar. Okay. okay. Yeah. And on, on bass is uh, Gerard de Dios. Gerard, yeah. And... Our guitarist is uh, Paolo Blaquera. Have you uh, come across him before? Have you played with him? I don't. I don't recognize his name. Okay, is he Paolo. Younger. Uh, is, is he, he what? Younger? Sorry. Is he younger? He's he, he's younger. He's about he's about forty five. Your age, buddy. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, I'm forty. Okay. Yeah, same. Same. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, okay. 40s, yeah. So forty five, forty six. There. Now oh, okay. um, he he his. Uh, What's his guitar? He uses an eight-string guitar, believe it or not. What? Eight strings, and it's amazing how he how he uh, comes up with all his licks, man. He's a very very virtuoso. He's a virtuoso when it comes to all these uh, licks. Now, I mean, think uh, think Joe Satriani, think Steve Vai, oh, oh. okay, Ingvai oh, Malmsteen, but YJM, wow. okay. Um, And uh, he's very—he's also very uh, tech savvy. Okay, uh -huh. he's the one who—I mean, we, we we never met. Okay, we have all these demos, but we never met. We were all over the place. Like he was, uh, see, Paulo was stuck in the Visayas since lockdown. Okay, and uh, when I decided, now, hey, let's let's go for this, he said, okay, sure, sure. Uh, we just sent each other the files through the internet online. And uh, we were able to come up with all of this, no? By the way, Paolo used to play his... Uh, he was the last guitarist, if I'm not mistaken, of Pepe Smith before Pepe passed away. Okay. Okay. And uh, prior to that, he was also in the retro scene. He played with Mulato and uh, other bands as well. Oh, okay. Okay. Wow. Uh, Jay and Gerard, uh, you're pretty familiar with. Yeah, shit, man. Jay, <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> oh my god, that's from the past. <laughs> yeah, you bet. Gerard, Gerard uh, with Gerard, um, I, I, I only met him maybe when, when uh, Locomotive first. Actually, not even Locomotive. I think it was already Three-Headed Dog when I met oh, Gerard. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. but yeah, yeah, he's a yeah, he's a he's a heavy bass player, man. He's like, mm -hmm. and he's a true rocker, man. So oh yes, yes, definitely. I mean, with um, with uh, Geezer Butler as your as your influence, buddy. How how yeah. how much lighter <laughs> can you get? You know what oh I my mean? My God. <laughs> 
he's like that's know? so specific. That's really a specific influence because Geezer Butler is not. He's not, you know, he's not. Uh, yeah, he is in Black Sabbath, but he's not. He's not flashy. So yes, exactly. And he's right. not. He's not a virtuoso either. So mm-hmm. it has, you have to be really specific to really have him as an influence. You know, it's like you really like his playing. You yeah. Know? Yeah. I mean, that's what bassists do. You know, I mean, you don't have to be a virtuoso like the guitar player, but yeah. uh, hold the bottom together with the drummer, right? Yeah. You know, once you have that bottom solid na solid, <laughs> you can do practically anything. Man. Anything. You can do anything yeah. on top of it, right? Yes, exactly, man. And uh, you know what's funny? I saw um, I saw an artwork recently, which was passed around in the in Facebook. Okay, mm-hmm. and uh, it said it showed uh, the artwork actually was uh, was confirmed by my friend, okay, uh, who is a historian, and it says the title of that artwork is 1410. It's when the Germans uh, had a uh, had war with the with the poles okay? okay so you see the german army with this giant this giant soldier okay and then the uh, a single soldier from the poles okay who's going to fight them all right but i mean history has it that the poles defeated the germans in 1410 okay this my friend told me but what what really captivated me with this artwork is that uh, the giant depicted black sabbaths guitar sound in 1970 okay and then the small pole soldier was metal all metal bands guitar sound in 2020 <laughs> <You know? laughs> my gosh you know that uh, i'll send it to you so you, you can you can enjoy it too but you yeah. know that that just tells you how uh, influential they were okay and uh, how uh, how big their sound was Back in uh, 1970, it hasn't really been uh, 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 how do you, how do you, how do you say that uh, duplicated yeah. duplicated today? You know, I, I I was fortunate enough to watch them in Ozfest. I saw I saw oh, okay. I saw two versions of Sabbath, the Aussie and the Dio. Oh, and before Dio, Dio was still alive. Yeah, it what, was. What year uh, was this? What year was this? 2010. Okay. Died later on that year, a year later or something after we yeah, saw him. Yeah. Well, how and, was it, man? It must have they been. Didn't, they didn't, and they didn't call it Black Sabbath. They called it Heaven and Hell. Uh, I see. I see. Yeah. Okay. But everyone knew they were gonna play those two albums, Mob Rules and uh, and um, Heaven and Hell. You know those two right, deep right. albums. Oh my! It's yeah. awesome. It was so awesome. I mean, Dio. I was like, I was like. I can't believe I'm watching Dio. And then, <laughs> then you know, when he passed away, when he passed yeah. away, we actually went to his wake wow. in, uh, okay. in Los Angeles. It was open to the public, but not the inside. You know, the the, the, the body was only for, the was private. But yes, outside, yes. But outside the church in the, in the cemetery. Yeah. It was like a concert. It was so wow. many so many people in black. We were all in black in Black Sabbath shirts. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All the metalheads of, of Southern California they were were there, man. And wow, I can imagine. I can uh, imagine the uh, number of people. 
Yeah, and then there was a screen outside, so the, so we could see, we could, we were, we were, they were having the service, so right. we, everyone outside could see, could watch the service, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, no, it was really, it, it was they they allowed the fans to be part of the wake, even though we were just outside. They st- we yeah. still had access, we still had video access, you know. Okay. It, yeah, it was really, it was, it was cool, man. It's like one of the coolest. I mean, it was of course sad because it was awake, no. Pero yeah, seeing all those other people who were there to pay tribute to the guy. Yeah. It's yeah. like, it's like when you see those uh, in the news sometimes when a public figure uh, dies and their their bodies that's in state in the in the big cathedral and there's a big line of people want you know to to, you know, yeah. right, so it right. was something like that, you know, and it was, you know, it was something like that, but metal style, you know, yeah, metal yeah. style, you <laughs> know, in the lawn, sitting down, you know, of course, you know, and then, you know, there was no drinking, you know, no partying, of course, yeah, good, was, good, no. respect the guy, Diba, yeah, Shempre. really, it was really, I mean, I, wow, it was like, it's like if, if they could see all these metal heads on good behavior, no one would believe it. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Oh, wow. That's that's quite a sight to see. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was great. It was great. And then, um, yeah, and then I saw the one with Ozzy. And it's the sound. Yeah. The sound. The, and then when the sound of, of Tony Ayomi alone, when he does the intro, it's just the guitar doing the intro. Yeah. Yeah. You're like, holy shit, that fucking sound, and it's loud. <laughs> because they're the headliners, so, so the headliner's the loudest. Yeah, of course, of course. And that they really crank up that shit, man. Putangina, pare. Wait, this in, in this was in OzFest, right? So you said you you watched uh, both Ozzy and uh, Dio. Were these no. two different days? or? Yeah, two different days. The, the, the OzFest was... Was earlier, maybe 2007. Okay, that's the then, one with Ozzy. With Ozzy, yeah, because okay. the, in the 2000s, Ozfest was was the was the top rock festival yeah. in the states. Yeah, 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 yeah. And um, so they were on a that there was like five years of really grabby. You, their headliners were Judas Priest, Iron Maiden, Deep Purple, Black Sabbath. Oh. Are, Grabe, wow, man. <laughs> if you could see the poster, you'd be like, holy fucking shit. So, <laughs> so you know, we ended up, we, I ended up going to three, to three of okay. those, you know. And I think Sabbath uh, opened twice in the two years. And then okay, the next okay. year, yeah, because the first, the first year, it was uh, Iron Maiden and and uh, Black Sabbath headlining. Wow. And then wow. the next wow. year was Judas Priest and Black Sabbath headlining. Oh, my <laughs> God. Holy <laughs> shit, man. I'm getting goosebumps right now thinking of it, man. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> you, you, don't need, you, don't, you don't need anything to uh, get you high, man. Just the lineup alone will bring you yeah. up there already. <laughs> yeah, and then, and then they, your opening acts are like Slayer, Queen Strike. Okay. You know, wow. <laughs> those wow. are the those are the opening acts. You know, <laughs> where was this? Uh, where was this normally held? Uh, uh, this was in. Uh, it's called Glen Helen. Now it's called Glen Helen. It's the okay. venue where the US Festival 
was done back in okay. This is in uh, this is in L- LA. This is in LA. Uh, no, not LA. It's it's outside LA. It's San Bernardino. On oh, the way okay. to, on the way to Vegas. All right, I get. I get. So San Bernardino yeah. is the last city before hitting Nevada. I see. Yeah. Okay. All right, all right. So, yeah. you know, that, that, that was that must have been something. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, wh- I mean, so going back to you, I mean, yeah. The first time I saw you was R&R, man. Yeah. 1980s, <laughs> 1987, was it? 87. Because you yeah. played in San Antonio. Correct. In the in a some I, I was a variety show I guess and yeah. and that was the first time I really saw a a, a full live rock band that you guys were the really? my first yeah yeah because wow. I, you know, I wasn't uh, during that time when you guys played at that show at that gig yeah everyone in front of you maybe we were only just starting to go out to become. Yeah. You know, to make gimmick in Makati. That, you you were you were in high school that time, if I'm I if I remember high, right. I was yeah. in third year, fourth year, going okay. into college. But when there but when go. I I was still in high school. I was still sixteen, man. 16, yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. And then, uh, and then and then and then you were and then you guys were so you had you were a lot, you know. You there was Warren was there, uh, Tony yeah. was the basics. Uh, Tony was the basis at the time because uh, yeah. Tony only lasted with us for one year. One year. And then right? he 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 re, he he left the group, and then he was uh, replaced by JB Burgaili. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. Yeah. Roque Roque Tordesillas must have been the drummer. Yes, okay. Roque was the drummer. That's why you. That's why you probably played there because Roque was active in Antioch. You know. Uh, actually, yeah, Roque was the most active, but uh, Warren but was also with uh, Antioch. Um, and then we had another singer. You remember Hoser? Jose Constantino? Hoser. Yeah. Hoser was very active with Antioch. But when, but actually, when I when when I joined Antioch, well, for the for the listeners out there, Antioch's like a a youth group in a local Catholic church where I used to live. Yes. You know. Yeah, so that yeah. was like a youth church group. So, so, um, so yeah, it was no. But when I joined Antioch, Hoser wasn't going anymore. He wasn't active anymore because I, okay. I never, okay. I had never met him. I Did met you him. join Antioch in San Antonio or yeah. or in Green Hills? Not in San Green Hills in San Antonio. Okay, yeah. okay. But I was so Hoser wasn't going anymore. Yeah, he wasn't going anymore because I hadn't met him. The okay. older, you know, the, I mean, not older, but the older guys were Roque, Tony, mm-hmm. and and Cobo. Uh, Cobo, right? Because uh, they had a band before R and R. They they had a band. Uh, well, the history of R and R was. Uh, I, I never had the chance to say this, but I'm glad mm-hmm. I'm saying it now. Yeah, man. Uh, Cobo. Kobo, Nepomuceno, Roque Tordesillas, Tony Esteban, Warren Norton, and then some other guys had a band called Melange. I don't oh. know if you ever heard of that. Melange, okay? And then I had another group with George Marco, okay, which was 
we, we both played, I even forget the name of the band I had with George Marco at the time. We both played at the Assumption Fair in December mm. in San Lorenzo. Melange mm. together with, um, Melange played first and then we played after. All oh. right. We, George and I only formed that group for that particular concert. And then we met Roque, Hoser, Warren, and everybody else. Okay. And we decided, we decided, hey guys, you know, we don't have a, we don't have a uh, solid band. And Melange was, uh, was pretty much uh, going their own way. Okay, the members were going their own ways. So they, uh, we said, yeah, Sige, let's try, let's try something. So we got together in Roque's basement in Forbes, mm -hmm. and uh, we tried to work something out, which worked out really good. Okay, Kobo mm -hmm. Nepomuceno was supposed to join us, but then later on he decided not to. So That's we ended what? up with the. What? Um, he, he was playing the congas for uh -huh. uh, Melange, nice. but you know, since since. Um, we were more of a rock group than anything else, okay? Because Melange was more of a new wave slash pop mm -hmm. group, okay? Mm -hmm. They would do stuff from A Flock of Seagulls, from Berlin, you know, the 1980s uh, popular groups, right? Yeah. And here come George yeah. and I. We, we want to do stuff from um, Rick Springfield. <laughs> we want to do, do stuff from... Uh, uh, from Duran Duran, from uh, Spando Ballet, and we want to get a little heavier. We want to do some White Snake, you know. So uh, <laughs> there was no uh, there was no need for congas. So Koba uh, <laughs> said it's okay, uh, <laughs> no problem. So we ended up with the um, with the lineup which you saw. So that's what uh, actually our first concert was at San Antonio. That might have been the that one you were you were in. Wow. That was the first. But we played there many, many times. You know, I mean in several in several events. But that was the first uh that was the first concert we ever had. Yeah. I remember that. That was so so much fun, you know. Yeah, dude. I mean that was that like I said, that was the first live band I ever saw in my life. I mean live right in front of me. Okay. You know? Okay. I, the only concerts growing up that I've seen before mm. that was was the village people when I was a kid, man, when they went to the folk arts theater, you know. Oh, okay. Yeah, you know, yeah, that, yeah. You know, and then, you know, when I was, I don't remember it. I, I don't remember it anymore. I couldn't even mm. come up with an image of the Indian if I could, you know. Yeah. It's, it's <laughs> right. so far back already, you know, as a kid. Yeah, so you yeah. guys were the actual, where I could feel the distortion, the you know, the guitar distortion and the drums and the cymbals and the volume. And yeah. then, you know, that was my first live experience, you know. So, and then you had Warren who had a, a nice guitar. I think yeah. his guitar was that red guitar or something. It was like a really cherry uh, red thing. What did he have at that time? Oh, he had a Hondo Les Paul. A Hondo... It looked exactly like a Gibson, okay? It had the tiger stripes and all. So, uh, Cherry Sunburst. Cherry Sunburst, Hondo ah, Les Paul. That's it. And then, and then he stuck a, he stuck a, 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 caller, right. a caller bridge. That's right. Yeah. Wow. And then, <laughs> and then uh, yeah, and yeah, and then there were two guitars, and then you had a keyboardist. Who was he? What's his name? He passed away. We had... Patrick, Patrick Choi. Patrick Choi, yeah. Yeah, he passed away already uh, many years ago. 
many know, years maybe, ago. Maybe eight, nine years ago. Yeah. You know, Patrick was our first keyboardist. And then eventually we had we brought in another keyboardist, uh, Archie Dairojas, who's uh, based in New York right now. Yeah. No, And uh, that's when we really... Uh, we really recorded our uh, first two singles. At the time, in the 80s, Deepa Usong album, you know? Yeah. So uh, let's release a single. Okay, let's see how it does. Let's release another single. Probably, is, we, what's that? What's this that? is R&R? R&R, R&R. R&R. No, so we're talking 1986, 87, right? So we released the uh, first single, uh, and then the record company said, Sige, let's release another single, which was, was it written by, ah, the second single we released were, was, re- was written by Tony and George. Tony was still in the group. Mm. And then Archie comes in as a second keyboardist. Okay, we, we were really overkill, man. We were eight members in the band. I know, man. You're so much. You're a lot, dude. Eight members in the band. Two keyboardists, two guitarists, two guitarists. a bassist, a bassist, and a drummer. Yeah. And then uh, you had Hoser and I on lead vocals. But uh, George, yeah. George and Patrick also sang lead vocals. So we were really. Wow. It was the 80s, buddy. You know, I remember the 80s. Everything was big, buddy. The hair was big. The clothes were big. The band was big. You know, yeah. the, the sound tried to be big. The sound tried to be big. <laughs> you know what I mean? So after that, after we had a falling out, 1990 is, was it 19? No, 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 no. Late 89. Because we formed in 1986. Mm-hmm. Late 89, we had uh, a falling out. Okay, uh, I had signed the contract. This is the transition. Okay, I signed the I had signed the contract with RJ Productions because I was working at DZRJ at the time. Right. Okay, and uh, DZRJ was putting together Pinoy Woodstock to commemorate 20 years of Woodstock in 1989. Okay. So I, yeah. <laughs> so. Uh, so I signed a contract for R&R to play, okay? Yeah. One month, one month before, the, before the recording, I mean, not recording, sorry. One month before the concert, um, we had the falling out. This was late, was it late? No, mid-November, okay? We had a falling out. They wanted to use another singer and some members uh, quit. Okay, okay, no problem. Uh, but I had signed a contract, so I contacted Manny Amador, okay, mm-hmm. who would watch us as R&R in, uh, in, when I was still in r and and he jammed with us once in a while. I go, Manny, um, uh, we have a show coming up. What? What? No, yeah. <laughs> you know, he, was so, he was so excited, but because the guy was hungry to play. Oh, okay, you asked so to play. I asked him, that, I, I told him that we needed to put a band together for uh-huh. Pinoy Woodstock. Oh. Okay, so he said, okay, okay, let's practice, let's practice. And to cut a long story short, two weeks before the con- the concert, it was just Manny and I practicing guitar and uh, vocals. That's it. Yeah. Okay, and then finally, two weeks before the concert, Johnny appears. Okay, Johnny Bessa. So we we have a guitar. How did I know Johnny? Well, from a mutual friend. Oh, you know, okay. and we're we're both from La Salle Green Hills also. Oh, okay, so right. jo- Johnny's batch 80, I'm 78. Anyway, 
So Johnny comes in. And then prior to that, Johnny had played with Manny in previous bands, no? Mm-hmm. Uh, so Johnny comes in, kulang na lang, drummer. Man, we couldn't find a drummer to complete the band. Okay? Sure. We, for the life of us, we couldn't find a drummer to complete the band. And then, all of a sudden, uh, three days before the show, uh, Larry, Larry Diliaco calls Manny. He goes, mm-hmm. hey, Manny. I'm, back then, it was only landlines, man. Uh, there were no cell phones, nothing, man. So, hey, Manny, I, I'm kind of bored. Can we jam? He goes, oh, what do you mean? What do you mean jam? We have a show in three days. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was crazy, but it was crazy. You know, so I said, how the heck are we going to get something together in three days? And then the, the, the December 89 coup happened. Oh, yes. Yeah. Okay, the December 89 coup that happens. Yeah. So that bought us that bought us a little more time. All right? So we got uh, we practiced, we got six songs together and we played in Pinoy Woodstock as R&R, okay? Because uh, all the posters are made already. Yeah. So it was uh, Man, uh, Manny, Johnny, Larry and myself. It's okay? the breed. The breed, but we did not use the breed and that yeah, was yeah, our yeah. very very first show. As wow. the uh, as R and R, and we used the we used the name for about two months, and then I got a call from one of the former members of uh, R and R and said, "Hey Charles, I noticed you're using the name. Uh, can you use something else about it? Because you know uh, that was us. Okay, that uh, that name was us, and yep. uh, let's respect it. We're not together anymore." So I said, "Okay." I thought about it. You know. Why not give my new band a new name, a fresh start? Mm-hmm. So I said, okay. And then we came up with the name. I came up with the name, The Breed. So well, that's how, where it all started. How did you come up with that name? I don't know. You know, before before that name, uh, I thought of others. We were going to, we, our first show as, as The Breed <clears throat> was in uh, the, you remember the lagoon in uh, Greenbelt, the Greenbelt Park Lagoon? Yeah. Before before they uh, yeah. before they renovated the place. Yeah, that was our first. That was our very first show, and it was a show which was sponsored by Ayala Land at the time. Okay, and posters were were made. I thought of the name. Hey guys, let's go with the name Big Rock. <laughs> Just Big Rock. All right, because you know I was still I was still in the influence of. Uh, Motley Crue, uh, Poison, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. and uh, all these other all these other groups, the, the glam rock groups. So I said, thought, big rock, what the heck? Let's go for it. But then days before that, I said, uh, I thought about it, and then big rock doesn't have that much of a an impact, okay. And I want to use a name that can do any kind of genre, which is except except uh, disco or any of that stuff, no. Yeah. I thought of something uh, rock, or even even if we became a new wave group, or a jazz group for that matter, we mm-hmm. could use a name. So I came up with a with the name The Breed. The Breed is a jazz band, puede. The Breed is a new wave new wave band. You had uh, uh, what was this? You had the Call. You know, you had the the whatever. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, new wave bands, new wave bands, puede. <laughs> The Breed is a rock band. The, the, the. The what? The, uh, the, the, correct. Yeah, okay. the, the. <laughs> <laughs> and then, um, 
the what's this I was thinking of? Uh, was it Lotus Eaters? Mm. Did they have the or just Lotus Eaters? No. Uh, I think they started off with the and then they cut. I think they cut off the oh, the. There, there yeah. you see. So uh, the alarm. There you go. Alarm. The alarm. Okay, because those guys were in the new wave uh, era, but they were they were heavy. They were pretty heavy. They were heavy. I thought of something like that, you know. And then last I thought was the breed as a rock band. And I said, yeah, it fits. So the posters were made. I contacted my friend in Ayala Land. I said, we're changing the name. <laughs> oh, you know, really, really, to what? And then I told him the breed. So he, he made new posters and everything. So what that was our launching, 1990. Late, wow. uh, no, 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 not late. Uh, mid 1990, <coughs> middle of 1990. Wow. So wait a minute. Yeah. How was the how was the gig at uh, no Pinoy Woodstock? What time did you play? Because oh, we played. I played with Edmond, my band with Edmond Hysteria. We played. Oh yeah, yeah. I remember but we played, that. We were like third. We played third. So we played like 12:30 noon time. What time did you okay. guys go up? We played at uh, about 6 p.m. It was just getting dark. Nice. Okay, and then they and then they put us on. Okay, uh, Howlin' Dave introduced us, and uh, so we started playing. And uh, if I remember the repertoire, we played uh, all along the Watchtower by U2. We had "You Really Got Me," the 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 staples of the breed in the early days. No? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was good. It was good. Once we, <laughs> this one I remember so well. Once we launched into the intro of Smoke on the Water, the whole crowd in front of us just got up and then they <laughs> just started headbanging. I go, man, I'm so glad. I'm so glad we're here. Oh, and I'm so glad I put this group together. It's perfect, you know? Yeah. And from, the, from, that, uh, from that concert, we decided it was so good. We felt so good on stage. You know, uh, we we really put everything together in such a short time, but it came out uh, it came out so good that it's, I I told the guys let's continue this. Yeah. So so we did. You know, the rest is history. Was 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 Manny already like that? Was he already jumping around and shit? Oh yeah, man. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, from day one. Because yeah. when, when I saw him when I saw him for the first time, uh, I didn't I didn't know who he was yet. Okay, and he was already doing all these Pete Townshend things with his guitar because right. that's Pete Townshend is his is his in, initial influence. You know oh. the Who, the the yeah. poster you have behind you. Right, right, right. <laughs> anyway, so uh, that was his initial influence, and uh, he'd turn the guitar around. You know, he'd take it off its strap and then and then do acrobatics with it. Uh, Manny was like that from day one. Wow. You know? And the volume, the volume was there from day one. <laughs> yeah, you know. Already, so early on, did he already use his half stack already? Like no, not yet, not oh. yet. He had he had to rely on what was provided by the clubs. No? He only got his half stack sometime in '92, late '92. Okay. F- finally, he said, "Finally, I'm gonna get decent sound." Oh, because he never he never liked the amps that uh, were provided. He could yeah, not yeah. stand the amp in Cali. Okay, when we played in Cali, yeah. and he would always fight with the, the engineer guys, Simantoni. 
he'd always fight with Mangtoni and say, if you give me decent sound, I can give you a decent performance, but you don't give me a decent sound. So I have to blast this stupid amp. <laughs> and, then, and then when he gets his half stack, he walks in, Talie, with it, okay, Ro- rolling it on its wheels. And then Mangtoni sees it and he just scratches his head. <laughs> he comes to me and says, Charlie, uh, wala na, bro. Uh, di nati mahahabol si Manny, ha? Bahala na. <laughs> you know, because of the... But you know yeah. what? Here in the States, man, that's normal. What he what he was doing with yeah. his bringing, bringing his half stack to the gig yeah. is yeah. what people here do. You bring I, to the show, pare. And even I would if, imagine. Even if it's a small venue like that, they don't care. If that's your amp, that's your amp. The, 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 the bartender will probably like, don't crank it up to 10. Yeah. But you, yeah. you can use your half stack, but only up to three. Okay. <laughs> you know? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that makes like, sense, man. Yeah. That, that makes sense. You know, respect the, respect the, the guy for what he has. Yeah. You know, that's what I always believe. And Shepre, uh, listen also to the bartender, you know, don't crank it to 10 because you'll drive the people away because, exactly. you know, people yeah. can only take so much in, an, in a small enclosed venue. Yeah. See, it's not exactly a concert, you know, it's just. A, yeah, exactly. So, so. But here. So, yeah. But here, back in those days, you know, I mean, uh, oh, yeah, man. the, the yeah. audience, the audience and the bar owners were not prepared for the second wave of Pinoy rock. They yeah. were not. They were not. You know. They, they were, were not. not. They were not. They had no. They had no clue what was gonna. What was happening? Exactly. No clue what to do with all these musicians who needed good equipment to play on. You know. <laughs> That's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Speaking of good equipment, I'm glad you mentioned that. Mm. Um, when Minko Fabregas was our drummer, okay, yeah. we used to play regularly at. Um, um, Mayricks, yeah, Mayricks in front of UST. Oh, okay, God. so <laughs> I love, I love <laughs> these guys, man. They did so much for Wolfgang, but goddamn, the fucking equipment, buddy. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna mention that, you know, uh, our first show there. Okay, Mingo was our drummer. Our very first show, our very first regular show. He goes behind the drums and he goes, Charlie, this uh, this kit has had its day. <laughs> it had its day, man. I go, dude, uh, I know, man. I was I was bursting out in laughter, but I said, uh, just just do what you can with it, <laughs> you know. Exactly. We did, you know. So 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 you guys officially started in 1990. Yep. And Wolfgang Racerback, we only got formed they they formed 91, we got formed 92. So what was 92. happening? 92 na kayo? I thought yeah, 91 pa. Yeah. 92? 92. Okay, I, was, okay. I was, after I, after my, my thing in Antioch, I, I separated yeah. from that group because, you know, you separate. When you go to college, you, you have find different friends, you know, people, you know, it's only natural. Yeah. So yeah. I gravitated, I gravitated to Sila, Miguel Ortigas, Tirso, David, right. they were musicians. I needed, I needed to hang out with other musicians. Right, right. Uh, because I had already been with a band with Edmond Hysteria. We already played Pinoy Woodstock. It's like this is my dream. I want to do it, so I need another band. Yeah. So, so yon. So I, 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 
started hanging out with them and Razorback was already formed, but they were, you know, just barakada band in the living room. Yeah. And that's when I first met all of them. And so during this time, what were you guys doing? Um, because we weren't so we going formed- time. We were, we were just, we, we didn't know anything of a music scene or nothing, you know. We uh, we started out. Our first few gigs were at uh, Hobbit House. Mm. Okay, Manny got that gig for us because Manny knew some of the some of the people in the scene. I, I knew some people in the pop scene. Okay, because that's where R and R was really thrown to. Okay, right. uh, but Manny knew more of the underground scene at the time. So he knew the he knew the manager of. Uh, of Hobbit House, so he got us a few gigs there, and then we just kept practicing and practicing all throughout 1990. We kept practicing. We wrote our first song, few songs, in 1990, but we didn't record it till many years later. No? Um, and then at the end of 1990, was it or early 1991? We finally got a, we finally got a regular gig at Fire and Rain. Fire and Rain. Yes. Together with uh, the Runaway Boys, which uh, beca- eventually became Rizal Underground, right? right. Them of St- Stephen Lewin, the original members of the Runaway Boys. And Advent Call. Advent Call. Right. Uh, Advent Call, The Breed, and The Runaway Boys were three of the headliner bands in in uh, Fire and Rain. Every Jeez. month... Every month, Eddie Rocha, the uh, owner manager of Fire and Rain, would have a party, okay, and he'd get he'd get his favorite bands to perform. So it was always the Runaway Boys, Advent Call, The Breed, and then I don't know if you remember the Chosen Fools, okay? I don't know if you've ever watched them. They no. were pretty good. I mean, they were they were uh, biahe veterans, okay? Oh, okay? So so if you wanted to hear um, another brick on the wall. Exactly the way it's played in the record. These were the guys to listen to. Okay. Exactly. I mean, the solo was note for note. The voicing was note for note. Even the scream, hey, hey, you. You Yeah. uh, It was there. So these guys were. Stand still, laddie. (laughs) There you go. Exactly. You know. They even do that. Do that. Yeah. Yeah. What what you hear on the record, what you hear on the record. that's what that's what uh, you hear from this band. <laughs> no. So you know that was that was great. So fire and rain lasted uh, about two years, and then we went to Cali. Cali was another one. You know, every every Wednesday was crazy. <laughs> you know, but but uh, it it worked for us, but it did not work in our favor for recording an album. I mean, you among the three that you mentioned, uh, Razorback, Wolfgang, and The Breed, you guys were the first ones to record an album under Ivory Records, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. No? Okay. And then uh, Razorback recorded under Alpha. Alpha Records, okay? And uh, we finally recorded after everybody did. So I said, you know, uh, why didn't we record <laughs> before anybody else? Because... Um, having you guys there and then Razorback and then finally the breed. Plus we, uh, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to mention, yeah. I'm not going to mention the, uh, recording company anymore, but you know, the yeah. marketing was not as good as where you guys went to later on. Yeah. Okay. yeah, yeah. 
your marketing was great. I mean, the the thing back then was videos, okay, music videos. Mm -hmm. You guys had music videos. Razorback had music videos. Yeah. Uh, we never had a single music video. We were not offered that. So, sayang, you know. It could have helped in our marketing. There was uh, there was just some record companies at the time, like you said, they weren't. Nobody was ready for this for that thing yeah. to happen. Yeah. So they didn't know that you need to have music videos because all around the world, the 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 award show to watch was the VMAs, the video music. Correct. That's because right. It, you know, because it was all it was all groundbreaking and and all. And, yeah. and it was a big deal for for like for a while, maybe five years or so. Yeah. Videos were like a big deal. It's like now, it's like if you watch a music video, it's weird, man. You know, I know, because, I know. Because you can watch all these bands live on YouTube anyway. All their live performances that, are there. That's right, that's right. But back in the day, that was the that was the staple. If you wanted yep. to, if you wanted to get uh, good marketing, record yeah. a video. As a, as a, and promote uh, the songs in your album. That was the best way. But, you know, the record company we <clears throat> signed under, they were more old school. Yeah. Okay. They then they, they were, uh, <laughs> we were even asked to uh, record more uh, love songs for our second <laughs> album. Can you believe that? You're going to ask asked, the breed we're to record it. Oh, right, there you see. My God, they had no, they had no clue, man. Yeah, yeah. The guy, the, and they, they, uh, well, in ours, it was tone deaf. They had to come up with a subsidiary, the tone deaf. Correct. Because, because they didn't know if this was gonna work or not. So they right, didn't, wanna, right. they didn't want to attach these bands to the main company. Yes, that I remember that. Any money. That was the time when I first saw the breed was in Cali. Yep. Okay. Nights. You didn't go to Fire and Rain. You never no, saw us in Fire and Rain. I never went to Fire and Rain, dude, because that was that was happening. You know, Fire and Rain was happening when I first, when I was still in limbo between bands. Okay. And when I first started hanging out with Sila Miguel, I would hang All out right. with them, but I did not go out with them yet. Okay. And okay. I think Miguel, maybe Miguel and Tirso, they they probably had gone to Fire Rain because maybe, you know, because it's their crowd. You know, the the older yeah. the older their older friends were correct, hanging out correct. there. You know? But yeah. I was, yeah. no me no I never I never. You know I heard about it. It's like and then I when I saw Fire and Rain in Pasay Road, I, it was still there, but there were no more bands. It was like it had its day already or something. Yeah. Is that, yeah. Is that what Fire and Rain? Fire and Rain eventually became. Uh, what did it become? Uh, two establishments down was Equinox Two. <laughs> that was a disco. Yeah. Okay. And then uh, Fire and Rain, when it closed, it, it, they they tore it down. They they put a high rise, uh, a oh, building. Oh, oh right, right, right. So, so it did not become a a, a bar anymore. Yeah. But you know, in the early '90s, it was a pretty happening place. You know, before before we came in as early as 1988, they had bands like uh, uh, what was this Latin group, uh, Salsa Boys, the Salsa Boys. I don't know if you remember that. You know, they used to play Santana. They used to play. They were good. They were really good. They had the 
Marine Brothers. Uh, Elkin, who is married to the doctor's, uh, who is the brother-in-law of the doctor. Mm. Um, he's married to the doctor's sister. And then you had uh, Nelson Marine, who was the younger brother. Uh, they were good. That's all I can say. They were really good. They had this great guitarist, this veteran guitarist from the from the early days, okay, because when we were in the rock scene in the 90s, that was the second wave, if you mm. if you remember, okay. The first wave was with Sina Juan de la Cruz, you know, uh, yep. the Downbeats, Pepe Smith, uh, Maria Cafra. Mm-hmm. So the Salsa Boys had a guitarist by the name of Bob Razon. Now oh. he calls himself oh, Bo Razon. Razon, dude. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. So see, he, he's originally Bob Razon, but now he calls himself Bo. And he's yeah. he's a damn he's a damn good guitarist. Oh my god, <laughs> really. he's a great conga player and everything, pare. Also, yeah. And then he moved into Brazilian, he moved into Latin music. Yeah. But back back in the day, uh he had he had this very very popular group which played in Antipolo rock. Antipolo rock was the first of its kind that oh. was like uh was like uh, Woodstock, which was 1971. Pre-martial law. Before yeah. martial law. That's the year so, I was born, dude. <laughs> 71, ka? You yeah. were 71? Oh, 70. there you go. So wow. they, they had, they, you had to go all the way to Antipolo to have all these bands play. Okay, you couldn't do it anywhere in the city I, for some restriction or whatnot. So they went all the way to Antipolo. So everybody right. followed them because in 1971, you still had these post-hippies, okay, uh, wanting to see all these uh, hippie bands. Uh-huh. And if I remember, if I remember right, I spoke to Bo, and he said, you know, in our band, we played um, Sympathy for the Devil by the Rolling Stones, okay? And so yeah. we asked all our all our girlfriends to come with us on stage to do the choo-choo, choo-choo. <laughs> yeah. All the girlfriends of the band, they all went to sit on stage to do that. <laughs> that was amazing, you know, amazing story. Wow. I didn't know he was that old. <laughs> he doesn't yeah, look old. Man. He doesn't. He looks so young. Yeah. So, he, I mean, he, so he's originally a guitarist. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. One of the uh, one, of, one of the guitar giants of the early days, you know. I mean, wow. you, of, course you had, of course, you had Wally Gonzalez. Okay. You had uh, uh, Rene Garcia, the late Rene Garcia of Hot Dog, That's had right. his group back in the day called Red Fox. Red Fox. And he, yeah, and he was. Already, they used to play a lot of Rolling Stones. They, they were a classic rock group, okay. Before they became Hot Dog. It was still you know, it was the brothers in Red Fox. The brothers, uh, Rene and Dennis, who are both gone already. Yeah. And me. then you had the other, you had the other members. Uh, I think Lori Illustre, who became a very popular producer here, mm-hmm. was uh, one of the members back mm-hmm. then. You know, Red Fox was rehearsing one time. Did you ever rehearse in Benavides Studio in San Juan? Yeah. It was along Wilson, okay? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, Benavides. Okay. Yeah. Benavides, uh, Litos Benavides owned it, okay? So it's not there anymore. It's along Wilson, okay? Close to where the Lontocs used to live. Very close to where the Lontocs used to live, okay? Um. So that was the only decent rehearsal studio back in the early 70s. Okay, you had you didn't have perfect pitch. You didn't have uh, where did we used to rehearse the one of uh, Concert Tech? You remember Concert that? Tech. 
Okay. You didn't have that. So Red Fox was rehearsing. They just went for rehearsal one time in Benavides. And in walks a producer from the United States Mm -hmm. and heard them. And he said, he talked to Rene and Dennis. And uh, they said, uh, he told them, you know what? I've been auditioning a lot of bands. I've been here for the last uh, couple of weeks. And after hearing you guys, you guys are the ones we were looking for. Okay. To cut a long story short, they signed the deal. They played in Hawaii for a full year. Wow. Yeah, man. Oh. They played what they wanted. They played Stones. They played the, mm, you know, they even played early Elton John because they were they were into that. They saw Elton John in Hawaii. You know, <laughs> that was amazing. And then when they when the contract finished, the mem the other members wanted to stay. So they stayed in, in Hawaii and Bahala know what happens, right? right. Rene, Rene and Dennis said, we got to go home because we have families. Okay. Yeah. So they went home and they put another band together and they decided to call it Hot Dog. Yeah. Hot Dog. <laughs> I yeah, love it. Yeah, a man. And Hot Dog. <laughs> yeah. What's your it's, band? Hot Dog. And uh, we created we created the Manila sound. I mean, how, how much how much better can you go? You can know? you imagine that? Can you imagine that? If you really think about it, man, Manila has its own theme song, dude. That's true. It, That's true. It, it's not it, it's not a cheesy fucking theme song made by some politician. It's a fucking bona fide, well recorded yep. song. You know, yep. it's like it's I'm, like here here in LA uh, they have that song um, I love LA. Hello. Okay. You know that's it's their national anthem. You know when I hear it, it's like Tangina, I, we have the we have one too, man. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And it's like it's, in, in New York. New York has several. It has New York, yeah. New York. It has I love New York. You know, we have Manila. <laughs> and it's like that's I think it's when uh, a city really, really touches a, an artist. That they have yeah. to. It's like when you go to. I've never been to Paris, but you know when when you see on video, it's like you see all these artists painting all these statues and and architecture, and they and then they'll sell their painting and the thing. So yeah. it like yeah. inspires Manila inspired that that song. And then when you hear it, and especially if you grow up in Manila, you feel it. You like, wow, man. It's like you. I get homesick. And yeah. you can feel That's even true. if you're there. Even if you're there every day with the traffic and all of uh, and the heat and all of that and the humidity, and then you hear that song, you're like, you know what? It's not so bad. You know. No. <laughs> I mean, I've been here. I've been here all my life, dude. I know. know? And right. uh, and uh, I still love the song. Well, uh, another reason is because it's written by one of my best friends. No. Uh, but you know, it's it. Whenever I hear it. There's a there's a part of me that says thank you, <laughs> thank you for for being this way, you know. Thank you for ha- being what you are, Manila. You know. All right. Yeah. I mean, man. I mean that that city's been through fucked up shit, man. Oh really? <laughs> oh really? You're you're not kidding. You know. Well, hey, how, speaking speaking of which, how's the how's the pandemic going on there? I mean, how is the uh, uh, well? It's much better that the, the other president is not here anymore. I don't want to say his name. 
He's yeah. such an idiot, you know. And uh, <laughs> and now the pre- President Biden is saying that he wants, or he's no, he doesn't. He didn't say he wants. It's like he's telling the American people, in six weeks, everybody is eligible to get a vaccine. So that okay. means, so that that means it is that all the frontline workers, all the senior citizens, and essential workers and and hospital caregivers like myself i already got vaccinated uh because i'm a caregiver so okay so in six weeks everybody else can can get it already so that's the situation all right what vaccine did you have if i may ask uh pfizer okay okay because here uh we don't uh we we they're already the healthcare workers and doctors. They're already vaccinated, but I'm, I, I can't tell you for sure what the vaccine <laughs> was. So, uh, what we are waiting for, like me, for example, the normal citizens, we're waiting for the Moderna vaccine. Moderna, because yeah. uh, because we were told by our physician that it's one of the best. You know, if if yeah. I mean, it's up there with Pfizer, and Pfizer is also going to come here soon. Uh, okay, so but also. Pfizer, but also ask, your, ask also your physician about, uh, and everybody who's listening in the Philippines, ask your physicians about the Johnson & Johnson one. Yeah, you know, that is the that's, gaining one. Popular, that's gaining popularity here. Because that's the latest one. one dose. Oh. It's only one shot. All the yeah, others are yeah. two shots, two weeks, uh, 14 days apart. And the yeah. J one is just one shot. Just I mean, one. it's going to be, I mean, if you're not used to vaccines like that strong, one shot is going to knock you out <laughs> but but i mean it's it's funny here because this I, in our business we work with seniors and most of the seniors parang wala it's nothing to them and really, then, yeah? yeah it's nothing to them it's and they just get it and then there's no symptoms they don't feel tired no nothing and oh. then and then we went to uh, my my patient's uh, dermatologist, and the nurse there is like, yeah, my husband was out for two days, man. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> my patient's like 86, you know, and she's no, voila, nothing, nothing happened. So, and then oh, it's yeah. like, and then then like, the doctors probably, and then her doctors probably like, well, you know, you know, old people they have a lot of medicine in them already, yeah. So it's, they're used to, you know, all that all those foreign things in their body already. <laughs> right, right. But as someone who just gets, who only gets vaccines, yeah. like you got your vaccines when you were a kid, and if you're uh, if you're an annual flu vaccine taker, then that's mm-hmm. the only the vac- that's only the only vaccine that you're taking. So if you're getting an, a big one like the Pfizer one in Moderna, mm-hmm. you're gonna get knocked out, you know. I mean, I had a friend and like she's vegan and um it's like for a week she was throwing up I'm like holy shit man and like for me I, I only had a i only had a sore arm from the needle that's know? it that's the only thing that did that's the only thing that uh that you suffered from yeah just a just sore a, arm a sore arm from the needle you know i mean because you know that's what happens oh, when you okay. that's what happens when you get poked you get sore okay. and, and yeah it was no fever, no nothing. Yeah. But but That's I think good. the theories were it's like the younger you get, it's like yeah. 30s to 20s. I think the the effect there are more symptoms. I think because 
Okay. I'm not sure. I, I don't know why. I, you know, it's just it's just uh, hearsay and all of that and 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 uh, speculation, but nothing's for sure. Yeah. Now, um, one question: uh, What is do seniors there in the United States get the same benefits or more like seniors here? Because senior age here is 60 and above, right? So we get uh, 20% discount and, you know, you don't have to line up in queues, you know, all that stuff. Do the seniors there have uh, similar privileges? The seniors here, well, you have your social security. That's your sueldo. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Get a monthly from that. It's really up to the person, eh? Because if you... If you're if you didn't if you didn't like let's say you're growing up and you if you didn't save your money when you become a senior you won't have that much money you right. know and you'll have to depend on the government to give you the money right but but you know like my patient she when she was growing up she was only a secretary but she invested uh-huh. in the stock market so okay. so until now she still has those stocks that she bought for cents but now it's like a big you know. Right. So it, it it depends, but the benefits. I'm not sure what the benefit the senior benefits are. It's it's just the usual, you know. Um, well, the visible ones that I know is that you you get a discount at the movies, like there in the Philippines. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But with medical stuff, I mean, the thing here is. Uh, I think I think the medical uh, privilege there is. Pretty, pretty free, as long as you've been paying your taxes and all that. Yeah. You know, um, there's uh, the, there, there's better, there's better medical uh, privileges there than there is here. Yeah, know? of course. Yeah. That, here that, we have the thing like PhilHealth, which gives you some benefits. Okay, but yeah. nothing like what the benefits are there. But no. the thing is, here now, it's there's a big, big debate which is going to happen now here in in mm-hmm. the government here. And it's the Medicare for all thing. Oh, Medicare okay. for all. Talagang uh, government subsidized. Uh, no, uh, what's this uh, option? It's an option you can take. So what they yeah. want, they don't. They're not gonna get rid. Some politicians they want to totally get rid of, of medical insurance companies, but that's hard yeah. because America's a capitalist country. You know, it's yeah. hard to argument against making money. <laughs> it's very right. hard. Yeah, yeah, you know? sure. So there has to be an option, a public option, that people okay. who can't afford because medical insurance, bro, is so expensive, pare. I can imagine. If you, if and if you want the care that is like if you emergency care, you have to get a top tier. Medical insurance has different tiers, eh? So yes. you have to have the basic. You get the basic, but if you want right. the top. You know, if you get COVID and you wanna, you, you have to get on a ventilator, right? And then you you need the top tier insurance to pay for that, or else, right? No, you're gonna get back. So many people, that's the big thing here. So many people here be, get bankrupt because of a medical uh, event problem. To yeah, because of a an medical problem. An accident that was not foreseen, an unforeseen right. event that. They were, they had to they had to give all of their money away because the medical bills were just out of this world. So yeah, that's the sad part about it, dude. You know, I mean, even here, especially here. You especially. know, I mean, uh, 
Yeah. Uh, nine out of ten people here, maybe the ratio is even higher, but yeah. nine out of ten people don't have medical insurance. Okay. And yeah. insurance here, unfortunately, okay, insurance here is not a priority. I have friends in the insurance business and they've been approaching me, Charlie, you know, it's still okay. You can get for yourself. You can get, um, you can cover yourself like that. And that's essential. So if anybody, if anybody's listening there and uh, you're thinking twice, if you have the means, get medical yeah. insurance. If yeah. not medical insurance, any kind of insurance, yeah. bro. <laughs> you yeah. know, any kind. Any because kind. to not have any kind of insurance when you need it is really bad. <laughs> yes, and that's the and that's the issue, is that when people here who have no medical insurance, which is which is a lot, yeah, is, which is more than the people who can afford insurance, is that they're and it's usually uh, poor poor people, you know, poorer people. Yeah, and, and and that's hard. It's it's hard for me to say that that sentence because. This is America. They're not supposed to be poor people here, but there's so many poor people here, pare. There's so many homeless people in Los Angeles, pare. Los but Angeles. Why? Is, huh? But why? What? What do you attribute that to? I mean, what's the cause? I mean, is it the? There, there's so many causes. Um, the rent goes the rent goes up so high. Uh, mm-hmm. It's all connected, and then, and then. Um, Oh my God! It's all connected, man. It's it's so weird, and then uh, it's very. If you're careless, you can become homeless like that. There if you you're go. careless, buddy. Once one wrong bet in fucking Vegas, you're done. Yep. You're gonna live in a tent <laughs> in the freeway, buddy. And in oh Los Angeles now, Los Angeles, dude. It's it's a. I mean, I haven't been there in a year because of the lockdown. Yeah, and the last time I was there, the tents on the road, tents, it's tents everywhere, tents, tents, tents. That's where people live, on they tents? Live tents, in tents, in the oh side, God. side the freeway, beside the road, buddy. Is that allowed? Is that allowed by the government? Yeah. Well, yeah, it's allowed because um, uh, it's a public, it's a sidewalk, it's a public space. Okay, you can't kick them off the sidewalk, you know. And, and they have their own tent, so they're not, you know, it's it's just it's just a mess, man. And Los Angeles is just a, it's a huge county and a huge city, but it's so hard to control all those people there, man. I can imagine. But I, I mean, it's a really sad. I mean, uh, there was there was um, a, a, a podcast I was watching, and this guy in Venice Beach. He, he he made a video from his phone. All the tents or the homeless people in tents were on the sidewalk. And his video was like a minute long. No, not even a minute, 30 seconds of him going. The speed limit on a road here is uh, about, uh, let's say, 40 miles an hour. That's probably 75 kmh. Okay. Yeah. 30, 30 seconds, 75, 80 kmh, kph of video. Mm-hmm. So 
it's one big thing. And, and that's the thing, because all of these things that people can't afford to live, the standard of living is so high. And the, the minimum wage is so low. Really? Yeah. That minimum wage right now, official, is seven fifty. Yeah. Seven dollars fifty cents. An That's hour. An hour. You can't live on that. You can't live. You can't have a. You can't live if you're single. You can't live on seven fifty. How much more if you have a kid or two kids or three? Shit. Oh so the fight here now is for those two things. Is the Medicare for all? So there's a public option if you can't afford. Um, you know, there's already the Obamacare. It's Affordable Care Act. So there's okay. insurance uh, that's there's insurance that's very cheap. Pero in basic the new services. <coughs> yeah, yeah. It's the basic tier, but they added that really cheap tier to the thing so that people who are poorer or or less fortunate they can afford that. But oh, now they want <coughs> a basic option. Natalagang you have an option. Natalagang libre lahat. Pero kakaltasin sa taxes mo yun. Siyempre, di ba? Yeah. Yes, of course. Oh. Oh, tama. And the thing is, every other first world country in the world, except America, already does this. You go I'm, to I'm, that, that surprises me, huh? I, I'm, I'm, I'm surprised why the U.S. hasn't uh, followed suit, you know? You know why, pare? Because it's all connected. It's because of the pharmaceutical companies, pare. They okay. don't want to... Another thing is they don't want to leave the legalization of marijuana is taking forever because there, mm-hmm. there's so many lobbyists in the government that are they don't because cannabis is already known in America and around the world as medicine. It's proven already. Yeah. It's medicine. Yeah. So once they totally legalize that, the, the medicine from the Pfizer or whatever, mm-hmm. they're mm-hmm. gonna they're gonna lose a lot of money in one segment yeah. of their sales. Because cannabis, yep. uh, the cannabis is going to take over, you know, and right, cannabis right. has no side effects. So, ho, huh, diba? All these other mm-hmm. medicine, fucking pare, in the, <laughs> in the commercials here of medicines, they have, it. it, it is a uh, government policy that they list, uh, they announce all the um, side effects of the medicine at the end of the commercial. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You know, pare. 80% of the com- medicine commercials, one of the side effects is thoughts of suicide. Oh, my gosh. Who the fuck wants to take medicine that's going to give you thoughts of suicide? Uh, absolutely. <laughs> Unless you're already suicidal. <laughs> but, they're, but, they're, but they're still peddling that medicine. Even though oh gosh, it's there yeah. in plain sight. Because you have to tell, you have to say the side effect on the commercial. So it's there yeah. in plain sight. If you take this medicine, you might get well, but then you might shoot yourself in the head too. It's your oh, choice. Oh. No pare, dude. So proceed at your own risk, in other words. Yeah. Right? And then, of course, these people, these companies have to make money. So right, they right. have to hook up with all the doctors and physicians. So, you know, the, the physician has a, a medicine, you know, uh, that he prescribes specifically because he's connected yeah. with that company. If it's a yeah. Pfizer, whatever, he has connection with Pfizer. Puro Pfizer ang prescription yan, di ba? Yeah, exactly. Same thing, same thing happens here. Doctors here, they prescribe this certain medicine because 
I don't know, but I don't want to say it. I don't know for sure, but they might have kicked back with this certain uh, uh, pharmaceutical guy, you know, this pharmaceutical agent. Right. Uh, this med rep, they might have some kickback, so they yeah. uh, prescribe this from this certain exactly company. That, that's exactly you know, what it is. And when you get, when when the patient gets addicted to it, especially if it's a painkiller, that's yeah. the number one here, man. Painkillers, just go, oh my God. Um, I've, 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 I've known a person who was addicted to painkillers because he had a, he broke his back. Yeah. And, yeah. And he, he has pain all the time. But it's, it's so sad, man. It's sad when someone's addicted to drugs and that's addicted. That's drug. He's yeah, a drug yeah. addict. It's a legal you know? drug. Still, Would you know what painkiller this is, or you can't mention it? Oh man, it's I mean, uh, what are those? The usual, the the usual suspects, man. I can't pull up the name right now. Uh, it'll come to me, but anyway. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean there, uh, there are two really famous painkillers that that people get addicted to, like uh, Heath Ledger. He was addicted to that, and it led him to suicide. You know. Yeah. The because the side effects were so bad, you know. Um, but anyway, but yeah, that's the thing here in America now is the 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 gap between the haves and the have-nots is really, really, it's I don't know, it's getting bigger. And the pandemic happened, and it just. <laughs> got worse Barry. made made it even worse yeah you know the economy the economy here is suffering also you know oh that's why God. there is a um, an argument between government and uh, private sector okay government wants to protect the rest of the uh, the citizens who are big in number who don't have means okay yeah. you know when i talk about that we we talk about the less fortunate here right yeah the ones you and I know about. Yeah. And then the, the private sector and the restaurant owners and whatever other business owners you have here, they say, hey, let us open, okay? Uh, we need to make money for our businesses to, uh, to survive, okay? So where do you draw the line, you know? So, so, even, I mean, so even you can't even do takeout in the restaurants there? Now, like for example, now as we speak, Okay, uh -huh. you cannot dine in in restaurants right now uh, because there's there's a lockdown. There's a uh, how should I say it? It's not uh, it's not a lockdown lockdown. Okay, but there's a uh, semi lockdown that okay. uh, you cannot eat inside restaurants. Okay, like for example, my son and I had to get something in the mall yesterday, mm. and the restaurants there no dine in, but takeout was allowed. Okay. okay? Yeah. Now, restaurants outside, outside the mall, like, for example, McDonald's, they don't allow you in, to dine in their restaurant, but you can dine outside. Outside. Okay, where they, they set up tables and all that. Right. So at least, may yeah. sitting the man, but you can dine in if you want. It's yeah. not na, take it out and eat it in the car, which is, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which is yeah. such a hassle, man, especially if you're the one driving like me. Yeah. You yeah. Know? No, it's the same here. Uh, same here. It's dine out. And if if there's a big, if the restaurant is a big dining room, they already allow dine-in, but uh, every other table. Okay, yeah. So some, yeah. Uh, every other table is open and and every other table is closed. 
That's and, what uh, was happening. That was what happening here. That okay. was happening here. Right. Uh, late last year, even even up to early this year. Yeah. But you know, I don't know if you've heard. There's been a resurgence of cases here in Manila, yeah. not only in Manila, in other parts of the country also. Right. Um, did you hear about? Did, did you know Bojet Mayoraldo? He uh, he was the guitarist of Ani Bughao. Remember oh, that yeah. man? He passed away, right? He passed away. He was a, he was a good friend because uh, the doctor Ramon. Yeah. Uh, put up a bar tour back in 2012 all the way till 2017 before he left for the States, right? Mm. And I, I was a regular in that bar tour, not as the breed, but just as myself. Renegade. And then Annie Bughao, uh, yeah, Renegades of Rock. There you go. Okay. Uh, and so I, I got pretty close to Bojet, right? And when I heard of his passing, I was just totally shocked, you know? So I went to his wake and everything. And within the wake, all the friends, all his very close friends were saying, let's let's put together a tribute for him. And I was the first one to raise my hand because finally uh, I got I got the uh, the new version of the breed together. And he said, we'll play. OK, even mm. if we haven't released anything yet, we'll play. OK, so I was the first one to confirm. And then the rest of the bands confirmed. Right. And then the organizer asked the organizers asked me if I could uh, host and I readily said yes, no problem, but if do it for budget, of course, uh, it's a tribute, and uh, th- th- there's no cost whatsoever. Nobody gets paid. We do it for the love of the guy, all right. But uh, a week and a half, or a week before the planned tribute was going to happen, it's it was going to happen on March 10, mm. okay. But a week before that, or even a week and a half before that, the cases started rising. I have a friend who lives in Manila, mm. okay, a classmate of mine, and he's in the hospital now with COVID. Okay, he's, uh, thank God he's out of the ICU, yeah. all right, and he's in a regular room recovering. Thank God for that. But when he was uh, confined, I thought to myself, man, this may not be a good idea, okay, if I yeah. go into a into yeah. a bar, yeah. into a bar with a hundred or more people, because how can you control that, man? It's no. it's a it's a tribute for Bojet. And how can you control his friend saying, ah, hindi ka na pwede because it's uh, full capacity already. You can't. Okay? Yeah. So so I it's thought to myself, Super spread man, yeah. dude, dude, I just turned 60. I'm already a senior. Okay? Oh so so holy holy smoke, man. I'm going to go into a bar with a yeah. hundred plus people. That's That's very risky. Yeah. So I talked to the one of the organizers who used to be the drummer of uh, Ani Bughao, and I said, "Dude, I hope you don't mind if I beg off, buddy. I'm, I'm just concerned about my health. Okay, I'm not that young. I'm older than all you guys. Okay, so I just want to be safe." And he totally understood. Okay, he said, "No problem, Charles. I mean, I understand where you're coming from. We'll make do." And you know what happened? Two days before the tribute was supposed to happen, they decided to postpone it. Mm. Okay, buti na lang. Okay? Yeah. Because because cases were rising, who knows yeah. what could have happened there? Oh, yeah, who dude. could have gotten infected? Yeah. All and you it's need not cheap. Person. All you yeah. need is person. Yeah. You know, uh, a few days ago on my on my birthday, uh, I I had a swab, okay? Because my niece does that as a business. She has a she has a nurse partner who is registered. So they have this business. So I had a swab and Thank God I'm negative. <laughs> nice. 
you know, but uh, I'm glad they decided to postpone that event, okay, to a later date when it's safer. Because now it's uh, it's pretty dangerous now. Yeah. Here. What would so, you know? Yeah. What would uh, shit? I, I just rem no, because I just remembered Manny Amador. Uh, yeah, Manny. Last time I saw him before he passed away was in Cebu. He was living there, yeah. right? Yeah, he moved there in 2002, maybe, yeah. 2001, somewhere there. And then, yeah, because to the, oh, 2001, uh, Three-Headed uh, three Dog, we played in Cebu 2011, first time, I think. Okay. And he okay. was there. And he was there. He was in front. He like, Manny Amador, what the fuck are you doing here, man? <laughs> and he was there in front, like, guys, hey, you know, he's like, oh, shit. Who you were know, you with at the time? Who, who was in uh, the band? Dog, uh, David Aguirre and Danny Gonzalez. Okay. The guys, the guys of Locomotive, but without the singer. Okay. Uh, who 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 was uh, who would do the lead vocals? Dave? Oh, uh, Dave. Yeah, Dave. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We, he had... He had enough. He had had enough of of working with singers. This is famous. <laughs> All sing. right. I, you know, <clears throat> the singer's gonna be on time. The singer's gonna be in tune. <laughs> you know, so like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, buddy, but stay singing tune. I'll I'll back you up, buddy. I remember so, I watched you guys uh, in Penguin many years ago with mm -hmm. with the singer. Who was your singer after Basti? The American guy, Ryan. Yeah, right. there you go. Yeah. It was you, it was you, David, Danny. What's Danny. Danny's last name? Gonzalez. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Danny. Yeah. Okay. And he, then Ryan. He ended up marrying my sister. <laughs> He's now my brother. Danny. Uh, Danny? Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Not okay. David. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> I know. But anyway, uh so you so, so you saw Manny. So you saw Manny and then what happened? And you know, We played, you know, and he was there in front, man. He was in front. He was rocking out all the time, the whole time, being Manny. You know? And then yeah. I think it was the year later, a year later, or maybe two no, years. No, it was that year. It was, it that, was that year, year when year. he passed away. But yeah, you must have gone there early 2011. It was early. Yeah, it was early. Okay. He passed January. away in he passed away in August 2011. It was yeah January or Feb. We were there. So it was a shock. We were yeah, so shocked, God. man. We were just like, wow. We just saw him, man. We just yeah. saw him. We were, that we, were, we were telling each other that. We just saw him, man. He was so alive and all of that. So, I mean, at least, at, but, you know, at, at the very least, my, 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 my memory of him, my last one was, was of that. It was of him watching yep. us and rocking out and being Manny Amador. And did, I think, did, you, did, did Dave let him jam? Did you uh, guys let him jam did. as well? Yeah, he probably did, man. Okay. Yeah, okay. probably did. I, I don't remember, but he probably did. You know, um, the last uh, gig I had with Manny was a breed reunion, an original, all original breed reunion. Manny, Johnny, Larry, and myself. Wow. And uh, it was in 19 East. And we had we had a full house. Okay, but the only musician that we really knew who went was Tirso, Tirso Ripoll. Okay, uh -huh. yeah. so obviously we called him on stage, you know, because at that time I would play two, three songs per set. 
you know naman Manny, pare, he likes to play guitar all on his own, pare. So yeah, yeah. He, he allowed me, quote unquote, sige pare, you play two songs with me, two, three songs per set. Okay, fine. Thank you, ha. Thank you. Sige. So, <laughs> so, <laughs> you know the kind, pare. So Tirso was in the audience, so we called him on stage. So he picked up my guitar and he played with us. And it was it was fun. It was really fun. That was the last time I played with Manny. And then a year later, he was gone. Okay, uh, the story of that is his birthday was August 7. So I greeted him uh, on, the, on the day, and he was in Cebu, okay? And uh, he immediately uh, replied and said, thanks, man. Thanks a lot. He was 49. One more year and he was going to turn 50. Oh, my God. And then weeks later, maybe two weeks later, his mom contacts me. Mm. And she goes, Charlie, have you heard from Manny? Um, because I haven't, uh, I haven't, I've been texting him, but he hasn't replied. But I said, Tita, no, actually, I texted him a few days uh, yesterday. I texted him yesterday, and neither did I get any reply. Oh, my God. Okay, okay, let me call his friend. An hour later, she calls me, and she said, Manny, uh, she was crying on the phone. Oh, my and God. And she said, Charlie, Manny, Manny is gone. Oh, okay, they, no. found, they, found, they found him in his room, because he was renting a room in the house somewhere in Cebu. Yeah. They found him in his room. That was a day after he passed. He had a cardiac arrest. Okay, the autopsy happened. He had a cardiac arrest. Because Manny was highly diabetic, dude. He was oh, highly what? diabetic. Yeah. And then, yeah. Pucha, what does he do? Pucha, if you rem- I don't know if you, we were playing together one time in um, Club Dread. Okay. Uh-huh. But after our set, he goes to the tindahan, he goes to the store and buys a liter of Coke and downs it, you know. That was his that was his style. He buys a liter. He doesn't buy a 500 or a solo. He buys a liter uh, and then downs it, pare. 1.5 pa nga yata eh. <laughs> If not Coke, uh, Sprite. <laughs> Same shit, you know what I mean? Damn. That was his thing. And then he was already shooting himself with insulin. Okay, but still, he would drink his Coke. <laughs> so th- that's what got him. That's what got him. Unfortunately, got him diabetes, man. Yeah, I mean, yeah. shit. I mean, if you don't, if you have diabetes and you don't control it, it's gonna get you, man. Shit. You bet. You bet. I didn't know that about him. So was yeah. that common knowledge that he was diabetic? Yeah, it was yeah. common knowledge. I mean, uh, he used. To, I, I've seen. I saw him on separate occasions, bring out the needle and shoot himself oh, with yeah. insulin. You yeah, know? it was a freaky part. <laughs> I'm afraid of needles, man. Yeah. I, I can't when I when I have to take a blood test <clears throat> ordered by the doc. I have to look away. <laughs> you know, they're they're extracting blood from me. I have to look away. But <laughs> yeah. and I ask the nurse, uh, is is it done? Is it done? Uh, officer, tapos na. Okay, fine. <laughs> you know, that's how duwag I am, man. <laughs> So I know. Let's talk, man, about your. I want to know about your your DJ life, man. This okay, is sure, this is the sure. one thing that's so uh, unique about Charlie Y, buddy, <laughs> is that you had this parallel journey as yes, that's, that's as true, a rock true. singer and as a radio DJ, and you were successful in both. Yeah, people, thank, people, thank God for that. 
Yeah, man. People know when you say Charlie White, they know. Yeah, singer of the breed. Yeah, DJ Charlie White. You know. So. Okay. Well, what 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 was the genesis of that? Were you did you did you? Because I well, because when I interviewed the doctor, I also interviewed um, Bob Magoo and Bob. Jaime. Okay. And Jaime. Jaime. Uh, okay. Yeah. And, All right. You know, so what started me out there was. In 1986, I formed R&R, okay? Mm. And so we immediately started playing gigs all around, okay? So that started my band career. But prior to that, I was an avid listener. In, in, even in the 70s, I was an avid listener of RJAM, the Rock of Manila, <clears throat> okay? And that's where I first heard Bob Magoo, Howlin' Dave, okay, The Madman, And then later on, Jaime joined in 1980, right after he graduated high school in 83, okay? Yeah. Jaime joined RJAM. It was still RJAM. So I'd be listening to them. And then 1984 comes into the picture. They decide, uh, let's change the format, okay? Mm -hmm. I mean, RJ himself was not back yet. He was still in Hawaii, Yeah. On self-imposed exile, okay, because it was still the Marcus years. Yeah. <clears throat> so, DCRJ decides let's change the format. They became Wink Radio, okay. I don't know if you remember that WNK yeah. Wink Radio, and then they put all female DJs on, okay. Uh -huh. They took out all the rock jocks and they changed it to mushy music, soft music. Uh, <laughs> Bangles and then uh, Juice Newton, pare, and uh, all, yeah, <laughs> you know, uh, oh. Bangles and then Eternal Flame, Eternal Flame, okay, uh, th things of the day, okay. Uh, who else did you have? I can't remember now. Those are the two names that uh, came into me. Basta, yeah. it was all, it was all, uh, it was all mushy stuff. Yeah. All right. Okay. And then. Uh, uh, what what happened then? Edsa one happens. The revo the revolution happens. Okay, mm -hmm. so everything everything got closed. Okay, RJAM became Rajo Bandido. All right. Uh, to cut a long story short, shortly after RJ comes back to the country. Okay, because he was not very close to the Marcoses, right? So he comes back to the country, and then he he gets his stations back. Okay, FM and AM. FM was playing real uh, exquisite, exotic, deep jazz. Okay, mm. they were they were awesome. Okay, RJ FM was awesome, and then AM stuck to the rock. Okay, when uh. Wink Radio came into the picture, a different set of listeners came in. But he he got back his station, so RJ FM became what it is today, a retro station. 100. Okay, with the 100.3. It still it still plays retro music, but yeah. I gotta admit, okay, their their format now today is really really good. I listen to them. They're the only station I really really listen to because they oh, play okay. the old. Um, their tagline is playing the the greatest to the latest, you know, yeah. which is nice, okay. Yeah. And then sometime in '87 he decides, or Alan Austria, who was his longtime bassist in RJ and the Riots. Mm -hmm. And who used to, who kept the Rock of Manila alive when Ramon was in exile, convinced him, hey, Ramon, why don't we bring back the Rock of Manila? Okay, because we still have a lot of listeners out there. 
So they brought back the Rock of Manila in late 87. I, I remember I was traveling to Baguio one time and I said, what the heck? What's happening with RJAM right now? So I tuned in to 8.10 a.m. And then I hear Bob Magoo. I said, and then he goes, good afternoon. You got Bob Magoo on the radio. I go, what the fuck? <laughs> Are they back? Are they back? <laughs> so I listened and true enough, they played all the, all the music I used to listen to. And then the format was back. And at the time, because... Um, RJ, RJ is married to my aunt. Okay, mm-hmm. his his second wife is my aunt, Franny okay. Franny has uh, Franny Aguinaldo Jacinto. Okay, mm-hmm. so I found a way to get to her, and I wanted to get into radio. But I've been wanting to get into radio since 1984, 85. Mm-hmm. No, so I this may be my ticket in. Okay, this was early 98, and so true enough, I got through to Tita Franny, and she talked to RJ. And we talk to each other. He goes, okay, come come to the station, you know, uh, do an audition. And then they finally decided to take me on. So I went on the air for the first time on July 4th, 1988. July? Oh, 4th of July. July 4th. 4th of July, 1988. Okay, 19? I went on the air. RJAM, The Rock R- of Manila. Wow. Okay. Do you remember, do you remember that day? I remember that day. I don't remember what I said on the air, but <laughs> I remember that day perfectly. And then shortly after, in uh, August of 88, we had the first Art Jam. Okay, Art Jam, we brought back the likes of uh, Maria Kafra. I mean, Resty put the band together again. We had Coco Jam. We had... Um, uh, you remember you remember the band of Arnold Haliores? Uh, shucks, they, they, they were they were the 80s metal band. Mm. Uh, I, I forget, I forget the name, but uh, you had six bands. Okay, so that was my first my first uh, stint as a host for a rock concert. You know, where was uh, it? Warhead, Warhead, Warhead. Oh, Warhead. Fuck you remember yeah, them? Dude. <laughs> they were pre- yeah. they were pretty awesome. They were yeah. pretty awesome. Do you remember? I don't know if you remember from Antioch days. I don't know if you've met him, Didoy Castaneda. His older brother was in Warhead. Hey, sisters and brothers, I have a new sponsor. My friends Gary and Marilou from AlkalineWaterSoGood.com. They are international Kangen water distributors. Kangen water is delicious water created from Enagic's innovative water technology. Enagic is 56-year-old Japanese company with 40 offices in 23 countries, including an office in Manila and eight offices in the U.S. And it is the leading manufacturer of alkaline ionizers and water filtration machines in the world. Not only do these devices filter your tap water, but they also produced ionized alkaline and acidic waters through electrolysis. These waters can be used for various purposes, including drinking, cooking, beauty, and cleaning. Can you imagine never buying bottled water again? The plastic and bottled water often contains BPA and other chemicals, which are proven to be hazardous to your health. And how much fun is it lugging cases of it from the market, recycling it, and you know... Plastic is an environmental nightmare. According to Gary, it's also a great way to add an additional income stream. 
He's been selling machines for over 12 years internationally, and everyone needs the healthiest water in the world. So folks, if you have any questions about Kangen Water, check out their website at alkalinewatersogood.com. That's alkalinewatersogood.com. Or you can email them at gary at garyballin.com. Gary Ballin with two L's dot com. Who? 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 Older brother? The Castaneda. Was there a Castaneda? I don't, I don't. I don't remember Didoy. The only ones I remember from Warhead were Arnold. No, 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 no. Okay. no Didoy was my friend, and his brother was in Warhead. Yeah, 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 yeah. But he, I don't yeah. remember a Castaneda from Warhead. The only ones I remember from Warhead were Arnold, who was also a DJ in RJAM. We called him the Wizard. Okay. And then the other guitarist who's Rard Scorpus, who works with Jaime Godinez. I don't think he, I don't know if he's still with Jaime Godinez in uh, Soundcheck, the, the group of yeah, Jaime yeah. Godinez that supplies uh, all this yeah. equipment, right? Rard's was the other guitarist. And then their lead singer was Franklin. I don't remember his last name. Those three guys were the only ones I knew. I remember one, a picture where one of them was, he was wearing a cape with a guitar. Did they wear costumes? No, warheads. <laughs> no. I don't even. I don't remember, dude. I don't remember. No? That might have been. That might have been the singer, see Franklin. No, maybe. Well, anyway, yeah, warhead. I I, I recognize the name. Yeah. yeah I I remember. I can even picture in my head their cassette warhead. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they were cassette. Oh um, man, they were they were heavy. I think they recorded their music on a four track, <laughs> on a four track deck, you know. <laughs> Wow, but, but you know, it was it was what they had at the time, and uh, not everybody was doing it yet. So it was uh, music to the ears. Where, then, where, where was it? Where was that? The concert was at uh, in Intramuros, Puerta del Parian. Mm. Okay, the the puertas, you know. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. it was like it was like um, when you go there, it's like an amphitheater. Yeah. Right. So it was nice, and then there, we had a second RJ R Jam too, and that's where. R&R played for the first time. Oh. Okay. I remember the faces of Warren and George and uh, uh, GB. Uh, Tony wasn't with us anymore. GB, the bassist, they were looking around and they said, man, who are all these people? Because they were used to the Antioch crowd oh, and, to yeah, the, yeah. and to the rumors crowd. You yeah. know? So who are all these people? Those uh, are the people, man. They're... They have long hair, okay, the, the post-hippies. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's the crowd that, uh, you know, was around back then during the first wave. Yeah. <clears throat> so that, that, that's my journey, man. I got into radio, and uh, I, was already, I was already in a band. Were you already then, Charlie White? Were you already Charlie no, White? No, not yet, not yet. Uh, the, the, name, the name I used in RJAM, and throughout, I also went to RJFM. The name I used was Purple Haze, you know, not not Purple Haze, but I, yeah. I made it into a name, H-A-Y-E-S, Haze, Purple oh, Haze. Haze, nice. Yeah. yeah. So that's uh, that's the name I used. When I finally went to NU, which was in uh, 92, that's when I used Charlie Y. Yeah, 92. Yeah. And that's when... That's when the second wave was starting already. You already had your your Nirvanas, your Sound Gardens, Alice in Chains. You know what? <laughs> oh. You know what, Patty? Yeah. 
this is not uh, you know this is nothing against anyone who's seven i love them they're all cool yeah. they did a lot for wolfgang but at, in the beginning they didn't mm-hmm. like us because we were too heavy for them in the beginning we were really we, yeah <laughs> man. they couldn't they wouldn't play us man they wouldn't play i us. play i played you guys all the time no no, no <laughs> but before before the first album came out when we were still doing demos we were uh, okay to, okay to LA 105 they were already playing us yeah yeah uh and then RT had already played our darkness fell video but somehow and you they didn't want to touch us at the beginning mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but then i guess i don't know what happened i guess we got too popular quote unquote too popular that they couldn't you know they couldn't ignore us and yeah. it also helped that Charlie Y was a DJ in NU pal because <laughs> you were the I'm speaking I'm keeping it 100. You were the true blue the truest bluest rocker in that station. Oh, thank you, bro. <laughs> because you were, and 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 also you were a little bit older than everybody else. Yeah, so that's right. Experienced. You had the only other experienced guy there at the time were the two guys, the, the tall guy, Jerry Driss. Jerry, Jerry Driss was one. Jerry Driss is the muscle guy, right? No, 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 no. Uh, muscle dude. I don't remember anybody with the muscles. <laughs> uh, Jerry was there from the very beginning. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and then you had, uh, who are the other guys? What's the station manager, the guy, the tall guy? Station manager was Chris. Chris Cruz. Yeah. Chris Hermosissima. Yeah, they're here. Okay. He, was, he, wasn't, he wasn't very tall, but yeah, he was, he was of good yeah. height. No? Yeah. So I mean, you had Chris. I mean, tall against me, you know. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, who else did we have? We had Myrene. We Myrene. had uh, Kathy. Uh, later on, she became Roxy. Okay. Rock. Uh, And uh, who Marceline? were the guys? Remember Mar- Mar- Marceline came later on. Came later Marceline on. came in 96 already. Oh, okay. I'm talking about uh, 93, 94. Yeah, Because when I when I joined NU, it was 92. We were still in solid bank building in Makati. Right. That's right. Okay. And then in 93, uh, I think they were kicking us out of there. Mm-hmm. So we moved to uh, Ortiga Center. And there were hardly any buildings around. There. We, we were in Strata 200, which yeah. is now Strata 2000. Okay. <laughs> yeah. The, the station, the, the booth, the station where NU... Was is now, um, what's this? 88.3 now, man. Mental block, mental block. Jam, jam 88.3. Jam 88.3. That, yeah. That's oh, where they are. Yeah, yeah, that's right, that's right. Yeah. That's where they are now, and they're yeah. playing on Fridays. They play the stuff that we used to play in the NU days, which is nice. You know, I listen to them on Fridays. Yeah. Um, so Jerry was there. Okay, before before uh, that. Before I joined, you had Lee. You remember Lee, the Lee Laureano? Uh, oh, Lee, yeah, of course, Lee, yeah. Lee, yeah. and she had a younger brother named Mark, who mm-hmm. was also who was also a DJ there. We went through so many DJs, man. But the ones I remember are uh, Jerry, okay, Pontree, 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 there. Yeah. Mondo came much He's, later. Yeah, right? much later. Yeah, yeah. Mondo came about 98 or 99, somewhere oh, wow. there. 
okay. into the 2000s already. Right. The tall guy, the tall guy you're probably talking about was uh, Rolly Lucero, Zach. Okay, oh, he yeah. was the drunk. No, no, not Zach. The, the one Kanina, you, that, that was the guy I was talking about. Jerry. Jerry. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah Jerry Driss. Yeah. yeah. He's a pioneer, yeah. man. That guy's Pont- a pioneer. Pontry is the muscle guy. There he's you like, go. That's right. Yeah. That's Pont- right. Pontry. He's the workout. He's the workout. workout Pontry and I. Pontry and I started on the exact same date. Okay, April. Sometime in April, 1992. Okay, we started on the same day, but he lasted all the way till till uh, NU uh, went off the air. 2010. I like those. I like the, that NU studio, man. It was dark. Remember? Yes. Was dark, right. Yeah. It was dark, you, man. So all you you could see all the lights that were in the booth were all the lights from the machine, from the computers. It was all, you know, yeah. all these small little red lights. It was cool, man. Yeah. Yep. I mean, uh, it was. Uh, it really set you in the mood, <laughs> man. Uh, if I may, I have a I have a funny story to tell. Yeah. Two funny stories uh, about Enu. I can tell oh. it today because it was so long ago. Mm. Um, I was notorious. I was notorious for coming late for my slot. Okay, <laughs> and you, usually I came after Myrene, and then I came after Kathy. Okay, mm. in the afternoon because they were mid morning or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so they they complained to Chris. Chris, see Charlie is always late. So so I was on board one day, and Chris comes in. Oh, Charlie, come stop here. I go. Okay lang, anong balita? And he goes, Aray, nagre-reklamo yung mga bata sa'yo. Everybody, uh, everybody aside from me were all considered bata. I was, yeah, the, yeah. I was the matanda there. Pare. Okay. So, pare, nagre-reklamo yung mga bata sa'yo. Lagi ka raw late. Yeah, man, I'm really sorry. I'll, I'll, I'll do something about it. Okay, okay, pare. Pero, eto, he hands me an envelope. He goes, pare, uh, graveyard ka muna, Oh shit! Yeah. Uh, uh, okay, oh. it was just a it was just a directive to make me go on graveyard from 2 a.m. to 6 a.m. Oh, oh damn! Well, it, it was okay for me because we still had gigs at the time. The breed had still still had gigs at the time. So after the gig, I'd go straight to the station to do my board work, right? And from two to six in the morning, you can practically play what you want. Yeah. Okay. Because there were hardly any commercials. All there was was uh, station ID and uh, station events that you'd plug. Okay. So uh, one night, okay, uh, I was so damn sleepy, buddy. Mm-hmm. Okay. This must have been past 3 a.m. I came from a gig. I was so damn sleepy. So it was, I didn't even remember the time. It was 3.15 I go, shit, I have to doze off for a few minutes. So I chose one of the longest songs that we had. We, I chose one of the longest songs that we had. So I found Drown by Smashing Pumpkins. Okay. Okay. Eight minutes plus. Eight minutes, uh, I forget. What's that? Eight minutes plus. So I said, okay, this one's good. Okay. So I put it on. So I intro the song Drown by Smashing Pumpkins from the from the um, movie. I even forget the movie, what that was in. But, but anyway... So I, I, I go like I, I, I put my fist on my cheek and I doze off for a while. Then I wake up, okay? <laughs> it's it's quiet around the booth. 
I, I, I particularly remember the time when I put it on. It was 3.13 a.m. So I look around the booth and I said, where the fuck am I? <laughs> I'm, I'm in the booth. Why is it so quiet? Oh, shit, I fell asleep. What time is it? About 3.49. Oh, my God. <laughs> so for more than 30 minutes, for dead more than 30 minutes, dead air. Okay? Thank God it was that time in the morning. None of the bosses were listening. I walked out. I, I, immediately, I played a song. Okay? I didn't, I didn't talk anymore. I just played a song. So I right. walked outside. I, I, I looked at the technician. He was fast asleep also. But, oh, <laughs> you know. my God. <clears throat> so that was... Uh, then that happened again another time, maybe a month later. But this time, <laughs> it wasn't as long. Okay, so I had dozed off for maybe 10 minutes. And when I woke up again, it was quiet. But then I saw the technician right in front of me with his arms crossed. Oh. And then just looking at me like that. I go, <laughs> oh, oh, my God. Oh, my God. You know? And then he goes, I was going to give you another minute. If you, uh, if you were still asleep, I would have woken you up. <laughs> oh, my God. But, the, you know, the, 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 the biggest trip was that first time when I fell asleep for over 30 minutes, man. Wow. Man, that's, oh, dude, that's... <laughs> <laughs> my my radio life was nice. I I really enjoyed it. So I really so, enjoyed it. When was the, are are you retired from the uh, from radio? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I uh, NU NU was my last station. Oh, okay. okay I, st- I I stopped going on the air um, late '97. Late '97. That oh, was okay. that was it. And then that was late '97, right? And then, no, sorry, sorry. That was not my last station. Um, after that, I went back to RJ because they had reformatted again. Okay, and, the, and then the, the ones taking over now were the daughters of RJ. And so yeah. they asked me if I wanted to, you, you know, Bea, Bea Jacinto, right? Yeah. Okay. They had uh, RJ TV, they had Intimate Session, which you guys, you guys jo- uh, were there, and I was the host. Remember? Dude, that's one of our early public gigs, man. Yes, yes. So I worked with Bea then, and then after I left NU, she called me and she said, "Charlie, you want to come back to the station? We need, um, we need a program director." I go, "Perfect," you know. So I went back, and at the time, they changed their name to the Hive. The Hive. We all had names of. Uh, insects you know harry hornet i was uh i was superfly i was charlie white superfly yeah and we had jimmy cricket <laughs> didn't tierso did have a slot there too no no tierso had a slot in rt rt because uh, at the time he was still with katrina right but no no but when you were in the hive because i remember the hive did i ever did i ever guest with you in the hive not with me. Maybe later on. Maybe maybe Tirso had a slot later Tirso, on. I'm not sure Tirso now. Had a slot, but for a while he wasn't the regular, because okay. it was a Saturday. I remember I went there and we and we and we played records with Tirso on a Saturday, on the Hive. Okay, that must have been when I left because I only lasted with them uh, six months, six oh, to okay. seven months. Okay. Okay, so that was my last stint in radio, which uh, 
lasted till uh, late 99. Okay, late 99. That was the last time I went on the air. And then oh. the next time was 2009. Jaime and I were mm -hmm. asked to guest in uh, RJUR. Okay, you are. which is you are. You remember? I don't know if you remember that. Yeah, RJUR had a um, tribute to Woodstock because it was the 40 years of Woodstock in mm -hmm. 2009. Right. So we went on the air, and I said, Jaime, this is my first time in in 10 years, but <laughs> I don't know what the hell to do. Butina Lang, the technician, was there to help me out. So what I did is I just talked on the air, and I was interviewed also by the station manager at the time. So there, that's my that's my radio life. Do you miss it? Uh, at times I do, you know, because uh, there's nothing like playing what you want and then telling the people what it is. Yeah, you man. Know? <laughs> you know? It's a rap, I mean, uh, here here's a song like whenever whenever I'm part of this uh, Facebook group, you know, and it's a music group, they ask me, who are your top ten favorite guitarists? You know, nobody. I have not seen a uh, I have not seen a list mm. of uh, with the name of the guitarist of the Knack. You remember the Knack, My Sharona, right? Yeah, man, that guitarist. The name My Sharona. The, yeah, you know, and man, when I first heard that that vinyl, which I still have today, I played all the songs and I go, shit, man, this sounds so good. Yeah. Okay, I really like the guitarist. His name is Burton Avere. Okay, and he's one of my favorite guitarists of all time. Wow. You know, I, I don't see his name in any list, in any guitar player, oh, because, in any guitar world. You I know, mean, because the you Knack, all, the Knack was not known for their... I mean, when you when you get over the fact that My Sharona's a really cool song, and you listen to the music, the playing, it's really yeah. good, man. Even his guitar sound is awesome. Exactly. And, you know? I mean, you should listen to the whole album. The whole, should, like, get the Knack. Get I the knack at the first yeah. album. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen to the whole album, buddy. They have a they have a cover of a Buddy Holly song, mm -hmm. and then they have a blues tinged song, which is the link, buddy. You know, he used it. He used, a, um, I don't know what year, but he used a Gibson Les Paul custom, a Black yep. Beauty. Black Beauty. So yeah. it, it sounds like it, man. It sounds. It so sounds he, the guitar sound of that song. Pretty much mm -hmm. defined the guitar sound of the next three years after that. That's right. That's Before, right. Before, yep. I mean, in, in the rock side, uh, in the rock. Yes. Side, it because was, Get the Knack, Get the Knack came out in '79, mm. and so you had all these uh, new wave bands from '79 to about '81. Mm -hmm. Okay, that were guitar, uh, guitar that were guitar driven. Yeah. Okay. After that, in came the keyboards. The keyboards, okay? yeah. Yeah, I have nothing against keyboards, you know, but I yeah. still want to hear the sound of a guitar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah, that's why the early 80s, the uh, late 70s, the Nap, Rick Springfield, uh, yeah. early Brian Adams, uh, Romantic. Right. Yeah, exactly. Know? You know, and then uh, you had this uh, other, you had this other group, the Vapors. Remember the, the Vapors, Vapors yeah. Turn, turning Japanese? Uh, but the Vapors, they're considered Badui here, Pare. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> I mean, and then like uh, like Tom Petty, that's when yeah. they started getting popular with those those guitar songs. Right, right. It's a great Tom, Tom Petty. Tom Petty is from the 70s. Uh, yeah. Round, you know.
it's a good it's 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 a good segue that you said that because I was gonna go into that. You're I was gonna go into top top fucking five lists with you. <laughs> so, okay, sure, yeah. sure. So let's go. Let's let's. I mean, because I know that you you're an all around kind of guy. Mm-hmm. You know, you you can appreciate everything in, in in the band. You can appreciate the bass, the vocals, the drums in it. So yeah. So yeah. let's let's go one by one from your expertise as a singer who who are your let's not say top five because i don't like i don't like categories okay who, okay who influences who do you love you know good idea you know yeah. my son who is a an aspiring guitarist okay i just bought him a i just bought him a guitar it's an sg copy mm-hmm. but uh it's it's really nice you know it's uh it's made by gibson but it's not a gibson but anyway my son asked me the other day Pop, who is your Mount Rushmore for uh, singers? Mm. Okay. Mount Rushmore has four, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah. Okay. Let's start with That's a Ian good Gillen. That's coming from your kid, Barry. I know, I know. <laughs> and he's, he's, he's into the rock scene. He's into the classic rock scene. Nice. Okay. He took his uh, influence from me. Mm-hmm. And the way he dresses now, he likes tie-dye. His hair is long. Nice. Okay, he's not like the normal kid you see here. Right. <clears throat> so, okay. So I told him, okay, if I have to choose four, it's perfect because I have four influences in vocals, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, let's start with Ian Gillen, okay? Uh, Ian Gillen is, man, uh, when, when, when I first heard the, few, the first few, the intro of Smoke on the Water, I was captured, okay? I said... Man, this is the music I want to do. I want to listen to forever. Wow. Which I'm still listening to it today. Okay? Yeah. And then I hear Ian Gillen's vocals. So I researched more on, on Deep Purple. So he's, he's one. Robert Plant, okay, has got to be another one. Mm-hmm. Okay, because after Deep Purple, I got into Led Zeppelin. Okay, uh, a lot of what the early Robert Plant does, I can't reach. <laughs> yeah. I can't reach that high, but... Yeah. I do what I can. Okay. Of the later of the later days, uh, I really dig David Lee Roth with Van Halen. Mm. David Lee Roth in Van Halen he one. Is, he is so Van under Halen. as a vocalist, man. Yeah, yeah, he is. But he's he's amazing. Van Halen one alone. I can I can sing the whole album to you if you want. <laughs> yeah, man. My number four would be James Hetfield. Okay. Oh, I just love the way he he does dude. it. You know. Dude, my god. Yeah. Ibang klase si James Hetfield. Can you imagine, pare, on a on a tour, on on a regular tour of Metallica, that's at least 250 shows, okay? Yeah. And they <laughs> they actually they actually lessen that So in so now they only instead of seven days a week of playing they play four days a week. Okay. <laughs> you know on a tour, but before it would only it would be six days a week with one break. Imagine, okay. So <clears throat> so imagine doing that, singing like that, and playing the rhythm guitar of Metallica. Mm-hmm. Oh my God! Buddy. Not only rhythm, uh, all those riffs. The all riffs. those riffs that he does, man. You know, I mean, 
when they do creeping death, you know, creeping death, right? Yeah, yeah, of course. The riff alone is just mind-boggling on a rhythm mm-hmm. guitar standpoint. And then he's singing this, these lyrics about, uh, you know, about Moses and, and the Black Death in Egypt. Ah, uh, man. Yeah, dude. You know, what, what got me really into Metallica is the first four albums I didn't really pay attention to. Mm. You know, from Kill Em All, Ride the Lightning, uh, Master of Puppets, and, and Justice for All. I heard about them, but the one who was really into them was uh, Francis Brute, Francis Reyes. Right. Okay. And when he <laughs> interviewed uh, R&R back in uh, 88, when we were playing in uh, Rumors, uh, we talked about we loved rock and all this, and then he listened to our set. We were playing A Flock of Seagulls. We were playing Rick Springfield, and uh, we played some White Snake. And then he didn't really write a very good article about <laughs> us. you know. And then he mentioned Metallica. Have you heard Metallica? That, to me, is rock. <laughs> okay, it's a game, but... And then later on, when the Black Album came into the picture, yeah, when I listened to Enter Sandman, I go, oh, my God. This is it. Because I was already with Manny. I was already with Johnny. Mm. And we were searching for a sound. We were searching for a right. sound that we wanted to emulate. So yeah. I said, guys, this is it. Okay, so we did we did Enter Sandman uh, as covers. We did Sad But True. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I think we did, yeah, we did Nothing Else Matters. Those three songs. Yeah. And of course, and of course, the heaviness of Nirvana came into us also. We did lithium. We did breed, which was super heavy. But I remember breed. Yeah. Oh man, riff, dude. That riff is like killer, man. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, moving on. Moving on. Uh, Let's let's not get too excited. Bass players. Mount Rushmore. Bass players. My Mount Rushmore of bassists. Number one. This is going off axis a little bit, but. The first guy that comes to my mind is Tommy Shannon of uh, SRV. SRV. Double Trouble. You bet, Barry. The Double Trouble bassist. If you hear the song Scuttle Butting, Uh okay, from the Couldn't Stand the Weather album. Right. I think that's a bass song more than than, uh, a guitar song. And it's very short. But you can hear the soul of Tommy Shannon. And you can hear that sound of his P bass, dude. Amazing. Yeah. Okay. Amazing. Like, like you said, if the rhythm section is fucking locked. And fucking yes. those two double trouble pare, they were fucking locked, man. Yes. And that's why that's why Stevie Ray just fucking He could do what he wanted to do. To the moon. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Gosh. Exactly. So Tommy Shannon, I would say Geezer Butler would mm. be another guy. Okay. Yeah. Because of the bottom end that he put together. Yeah. With uh, Bill Ward. So that, again, um, quoting a three-piece, uh, three-piece band. So that, again, Tommy, Tony Iommi could do what he wanted to do. Do right? what he wanted to do. Yeah. Uh, another guy, bassists are hard, but uh, I do have my favorites, okay? John Entwistle. <laughs> <laughs> of the who, pal. I mean, that's your, that is your, that is your epitome of a lead bassist. Yes. Okay. I mean, he did, he, he, and still hold it down. Exactly. 
he did he did leads on that base that you yeah. cannot imagine. Okay, can you imagine he was doing it in 1964, 1965? Yeah, he was shredding on the bass in 65. Yes. I know. I so, think uh, I pick. No, I say it. I, I, no, you say it. Take a guess, and I'll tell you if it's right or wrong. Okay, prog, seventies prog. Seventies prog. Early early seventies. Not necessarily. Uh, late seventies. Uh, 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 late seventies. Okay, if it's late seventies, it's gotta be Getty Lee, Barry. No, not no. Getty Lee, but. Uh, we're talking, we're talking jazz, huh? jazz. Oh, jazz, jazz. Okay, I thought, jazz. Pro, I thought prog rock. Okay, no. jazz. Yeah, take a J- guess, man. Who's you, the first one that comes into your mind when you talk jazz oh, basses? Of course, Jaco, pare. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Dude, have you That's seen right. have Have you seen the documentary Jaco? No, no. Got, where, 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 got, where? I, I look for it on the internet. I don't know where it is. Um, well, I have Netflix. Would you know if it's in Netflix? I'll look for it in Netflix. I, I saw it. was on Amazon when I saw it. So okay. I, I will yeah. look for that. You have... Oh, my God. Jaco Pare. Yep. <coughs> Jaco on the on that uh, beat-up jazz bass of his Pare. He's you know, Jaco. I mean, uh, those guys. Those guys. You know. Going back to John and Twistle... One of my favorite yeah. songs is The Real Me, Pare. Oh, yeah. Dum, dum, yeah. Uh, that's a bass solo song, Pare. Yes, yes. Um, Quadrophenia. Quadrophenia. It's one of my yeah. favorite songs, not just because of the bass, but it's also one of the best drum tracks that Keith Moon ever played. If you get yeah. to it again, listen to the drums there. Grabe. Grabe mm-hmm. Grabe Keith Moon, man. <laughs> yeah. Okay, since we're there... Drummers. <laughs> Drummers. Mount Rushmore. <laughs> can I can I can I do a Mount Rushmore of the of foreign and of local? Oh yeah, dude. Yeah. Okay. Okay. It's not be foreign, man. All right. Uh, let's go foreign first because I like a lot of drummers. Yeah. John Bonzo Bonham. <laughs> okay. It's gotta be. He's gotta be there. Yeah. Number two would be Keith Moon. Mm-hmm. Okay. Keith Moon is uh, another another favorite. Okay, and um, Ian Pace. Fuck Ian yeah. Pace Ian of uh, Deep Purple. Amazing guy. China, amazing guy. I'm trying to think of late because I, I have I have a fourth, but I'm trying to think of the later groups. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'll I'll give you a number four. And I'll give you a an honorable mention. Pare. Okay. My number four would be Dave Grohl. Nice. Okay. Of course. Amazing drummer. You know, he's not as flashy as a lot of other people, but he's there. Okay. He's there. there. Yeah. Okay. Um, my honorable mention would be Ginger Baker mm-hmm. of Cream. Right. Okay. So those are my uh, so that's my Mount Rushmore of. Uh, Ginger Baker's oh, such uh, an asshole, man. He's what? He's what? He's such an asshole. 
<laughs> he's a jerk. Uh, he, I heard I heard stories. So. Yeah, man. He he also has a documentary. You should check it out, man. He's such an okay. asshole. And uh, he was an asshole to the interviewer, man. It's like so funny. Yeah, it, I know. It, he's such an asshole that it's already funny. It's like, oh my god, this guy's my god. Yeah. <laughs> But what can you do, Ginger Baker, apparently, right? Yep, yep. Especially okay. Ginger Baker. Uh, sorry, uh, Ginger Baker when he teamed up with Fela Kuti. Do you know that stuff? No, 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 I don't you know, know that. You know Fela Kuti? Not sure I do. Fela Kuti no. is a uh, African musician. Okay. Uh, and he pretty much invented the genre Afrobeat. Okay, okay. And he recorded an album with Ginger Baker in the in after. This was already after Cream, after Blind Faith. Okay, Fela yeah. Kuti is a drummer. No, Fela Kuti is a he's a he's a songwriter and he plays saxophone. Okay, African, okay. African guy. I'm not all sure right, if, it, right, if he's right. Nigerian or if he's from another place, but yeah. Okay. So um, the hardest of them all, guitarists. <laughs> Wait. Okay. Um, before I get to that, I have I Wait. have my list of locals. Okay. 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 Harley Alarcon. Ah. Okay, because he uh, he recorded our first album with us. That's right. That was Harley. Okay, because Larry was not back yet, and uh, Benji Santos had just left. That's right. Okay. Uh, Harley, I would put Benji Santos as one of my favorite drummers here. Okay, Benji is from the Jerks. The Jerks, okay? yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then he he went to us for a while. Yeah. He's the he's the drummer with us on the poster of the first did album. He, did he play with South Border too? No. He probably did one yeah, yeah. one time or another. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah. Uh, my third, my third would be. Wait, let me think because there's so many drummers also that I like. Okay, Baguettes. There you go. Yeah, Baguettes. He's not uh, Benji. Uh, he's what? And now he's a, he's a he's a monk, right? He's a Buddhist monk. Is no, he? No, 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 no. He's Muslim. No, he's Muhammad. Muslim. Yes, Muhammad. Correct, correct. Yeah. Baguettes, Benjamin. This. Yeah. Okay. okay. And uh, my number four would be the guy I'm talking to right now. Oh shit, man. Fuck yeah, man. <laughs> Hell yeah, man. Those those uh, that uh, that floor that you put under Wolfgang. Okay, that floor that everybody was stepping on. Uh-huh. It's got to be one of the most solid floors I ever heard here. Oh, thanks, man. <laughs> no, really, I, I, I kid you not, dude. I kid you not. You're not. I remember watching you guys. Okay, in um, you remember the place of Ricky Kui in Alabang, bottom line. Mm, yeah. Okay, you guys were playing there, and you played a whole lot of love. Yeah. Okay, this was still the original Wolf Gang. And in the middle, you let Manuel do his thing with the guitar and all that, and you just held the the rhythm there. You didn't have to do everything that Bonzo was doing, buddy, yeah. which was not important. Yeah. Okay. What was important is putting the song, keeping the song together, and you did that. So, there you go. Thanks, man. <laughs> I really appreciate that. Dude. That's sweet. Yeah, Thanks, that's man. true. Well, I mean, all right. you know, and, it, oh. and it's all it's also because all of those drummers that you mentioned. Yeah. I'm just emulating them, yeah, and the way and the way how they carry the song. It's like 
there's something when I listen to classic rock, especially those bands, it's really the rhythm section that I'm listening to because the guitarists, yeah, they're great, they're all good, but they, they, there's that uh, there's that air still that air of competition, you know, between guitarists. There's always that competition. Whereas yeah. the rhythm yeah. section, there's no competition because your mission is to keep the song together. That's right. That's so right. What I learned more than just as much as the playing side of it was the these drummers are carrying the song with the bass player. They're yeah, the rhythm that's section. Right. That's old school rhythm section stuff, you know. So mm-hmm. that's why. Well, thank you, man. I really appreciate that. You're you're welcome, buddy. <laughs> now for now for the hardest category of all, the guitarists. Yes, guitarists. You can go local. <laughs> I'm gonna have to name more than five. Okay. You can go local uh, too. Okay. <clears throat> uh, number one would definitely be Jimi Hendrix. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, he's the guy I really listened to first, and I said, because of this guy, I want to pick up a guitar. Okay. Uh, I I can't play like him, nowhere near. Okay. Mm-hmm. Number two would be Jimmy Page. Okay, Jimmy Page. I can even in uh, in the not so distant future, I, I can even see myself uh, emulating somewhat. Okay, because his licks were easier; they're not as uh, wild as Hendrix. Okay, uh-huh. so Jimmy Page would be uh, would be number two. Number three would be Eric Clapton. Of course, exactly. he's got to be in there. Okay, uh, four slow hand. Four would be Carlos Santana. Ah, yes, sir. <laughs> you know, of all the guitarists I mentioned so far, he's the only one I met when he came here. Yeah, I met him. I, too. I made it. Ah, you did? Where? Yeah. In the backstage. In the, in the press con in Manila Hotel. Okay, okay. Just, just, I I yeah. I insisted to go backstage. I insisted to go backstage. I talked to Danny Vitan, who was uh, supplying the equipment for Totoy Boogie, and he said, "Oh, ito kasapin natin si Totoy Boogie." So mm-hmm. the, he brought us backstage. I was with Manny, I was with uh, two other friends, okay, and we all met him. And I had him sign the, I had him sign a, a CD, a CD cover, and a magazine, a Guitar World. Mm-hmm. And then. Oh. When he signed the, when he, when he was about to sign the magazine article, he goes, "What's this?" Oh, well, this is the article where you mentioned that you were with John Lee Hooker. And then uh, somebody else called you and said, uh, you recorded The Healer with uh, John Lee Hooker. Okay? I love that. That song is amazing. Yeah. And then there was this guitarist. Uh, I forget who it was. It might have been Lonnie Mack or uh, Phil Kiyagi, what, a popular guitarist. Mm-hmm. Went to him, or called him, and said, "You know what? I saw you playing the healer with John Lee Hooker on, on uh, TV, and I was ready to slash my wrists, man." <laughs> yeah, and uh, he said, "But when I saw you playing with John Lee Hooker, you are the healer, man. You oh, he are the healer." Was literally about to slash his wrists. Yeah, yeah. Holy fuck! You are the healer, and uh, I wanted to live. You made me live. Thank you so much. 
Pucha, when I read that article, I go, my God, the impact that Santana, because I was always a Santana fan from the late 70s. Dude. But when I read that article, he just catapulted to the top spot for me. So he's got to be in there, probably. And his style of playing is... Since we're on there, I got to show you something. So you know how okay. serious I am with Santana, probably. Sure, sure, sure. <clears throat> hey. Oh my God! I can imagine what this is. Whoa! Whoa, man! What's uh, what? What is it riding on? That's that's from what? That's Abrahas. Abraxas. Yeah. Or Abrahas, whatever you call it. That's right. That's a conga. That's a conga. Yes. Yes. Okay. Wow, man. Dude, I got that tattoo because because the sponsor of the show was RT. So okay. Tirso was with still with his uh, Tuason uh, with cats girlfriend at the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so he hooked me up with uh, the press con in Manila Hotel. He goes, yeah. Santana's here. You can come. I'll let you in, but you gotta come now, <laughs> dude. It was a Sunday in Manila, and and at that time there was no traffic on Sundays. Yeah. Dude, I fucking drove. I think from Pasig all the way to Manila Hotel, pare. Ha, tao pa. Ha. <laughs> Dude, and then I, I get there. And I get there. So, so press conference. And then I, I, I ask him a question. It was a stupid fucking question. I was so nervous, man. <laughs> I think, yeah. oh, I remember the question. I was like, are you, are you going to, do you have any plans of recording with Michael Shreve again? That was my question. Yes. Drummer. Yes. He goes, well, it was kind of a vague answer. But anyway. Yeah. What I did after was, so I got this tattoo knowing mm-hmm. that I was going to go in that, that, uh, yeah. that press, press con. I, so my plan was, I'm going to get the tattoo and I'm going to show it to him. That's my uh-huh. plan. So when he got up after the press con, he, it was him and his manager. They were walking out. I actually met him before the press con, before he got into the room. Tirso introduced me. And Santana's yeah. like, he's tall. He's like 5'10 or something. Yeah, yeah, right. And then he looks down at me and he goes, uh, and then he goes, uh, tears ago, this is Wolf. He's a big fan of yours. Like, and then he, he, he gets my face like this and he goes, I love you, Wolf. And then I'm like starstruck. I'm like, I love you too. I love you. I love you. <laughs> yeah, wow. I know the feeling, oh my man. God. I was like, yeah, I, I love you so much, man. But then I didn't I didn't show him the tattoo yet. I, I wanted to show him after because I didn't want to yeah. bother. So when when work was done, he was being escorted out. I go and then he was already signing. There were a couple of guys with guitars. They were he was signing their guitars, and I go and I go up to him again. I go, it's like Carlos, I want to I want to show you how much I love you. It's like I love you too, man. It's like no, you don't get it, man. You don't get it. I turned around. I lift up my shirt. Because they were, he was being pushed out of the room already. Because it was a mob already, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the him and the manager, they stopped right away. They're like, "Whoa!" They stopped in their tracks, man. And I go, yeah. and then <laughs> he, he's looking at the thing that you just saw. Yeah. And then I gave him, I gave him a, a sharpie. He go, "Can you please sign it?" Like, yes. He, then he signed his name on my back. Uh-huh. And then his manager was like, "Oh, that's a true, that's a real fan right there, man." And then I could, I could see all flashes. So it's yeah. my life mission. It's my life's mission to get 
<laughs> to find out whoever took a picture of that, if there's a picture of, in, if, of it in existence, of Santana signing my back. Because wow. there's going off. Like, yeah. many, and, and anyway, so the plan was, I was supposed to get it tattooed over in Paco uh, with the, the tattoo artist. He, he passed away last year. Um, oh. But... Uh, Okay, was, I, 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 his yeah, name the, escapes one me. One the original guys, you know. Yeah. And uh, but the same night, Lee Loriano yeah. calls up, calls Wally Chamsey and says, Jason Houston is in town and he's in club. They're gonna open Club Dread and he wants to jam. Do you remember that night? Yeah, yeah, I remembered. I wasn't there though, but I remember yeah. that. Yeah. That was the same day as as Carlos Santana's. Prescon. So oh, okay. I was like, oh, but I want to get this tattooed. It's like, no, you got to come now. So instead of getting Carlos's signature tattooed on my back, I went to the, the Newstead gig in Club Dread. And of course, yeah. I we played with Newstead. We played uh, two songs, two jam, just jamming, you know, two songs. And so by the time I was done, well, nah, nah, the, 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 the signature was washed away from the sweat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, then I was like, well, I got to jam with Jason Houston, so it's fine. But, I mean, that's, that's my <laughs> story, man. Yeah. You have an honorable mention? Okay. Oh, um, local dudes, man. No, I have. I, it's They're not honorable mentions. They've got to be part of the top okay. ten. Right. Uh, Eddie Van Halen. Holy Moses. Man. Oh, how yeah. Can I, how can I not put Eddie Van Halen there? Yeah. Okay. That's number six. Uh, number seven would be the guy I mentioned earlier, Berta Navere from the NAC. Mm -hmm. All right. He would be number seven. Number eight. Uh, wait, there's, there's this other American dude that uh, I forgot. I would have I would have mentioned it. But anyway, let's go with the local. Uh, no, uh, seven is good for the U.S. The local would be. Rene Garcia, okay, of Hot Dog, because... Good? I never saw him play, dude. dude I never saw Hot Dog. Man, uh, he had a style all his own. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. I saw him in the early days in 1977. I was a 16-year-old kid in LaSalle Green Hills. I was fourth year, fourth uh -huh. year high school. Hot Dog played in one of the events in the auditorium. Mm. And... I only knew Hot Dog at the time. I didn't know them as Red Fox because I was such a kid at the time. But I only knew them as Hot Dog. And he had a Gibson Les Paul gold top. Now I know what it is. Back mm. then I didn't know what it was. Right. And it was plugged, I think, into a twin reverb. But what he was playing, man, he was playing the intro to... Um, no, he didn't play the intro to You Really Got Me of, uh, of Van Halen. But he played intros to songs that I was listening to at the time. I think he played the intro to Jumping Jack Flash. And I said, Hot Dog can do this? And then he was doing his solo spare. No, no finger tapping, no Van Halen stuff. But he had his own. And his sound was amazing. Really? So he got me on, yeah, man. He got me on that, on that date, Damn. on that day. Okay. And then when the breed was starting, he helped us out. He would play with us in our live gigs. He taught Manny how to play Satch Boogie of Joe Satriani. Wow. He could do that. Yeah. He could do that. So, Rene, Rene is up there for me. 
Wow. The next uh, local guy would be Wally, Wally mm-hmm. Gonzalez. Okay. Wally is just there. You, uh, He'll just ask, oh, anong kanta? Anong key? Mm. <laughs> he just put in his his voice on yeah. his guitar. He, I mean, you knew it was him. Okay? Yep. My last one would have to be my comrade, Manny Amador. Okay? Manny. I mean, uh, being on stage with him was an experience. I Must will never experience. I will never experience that again. What? Never, Watching never him. will I experience that. <laughs> Watching him, hearing his sheer volume, okay, <laughs> watching him do what he did with his guitar, and um, watching him break the strings on every set, mm. okay, and, yeah. me have to, and me have to talk in between songs. He goes, talk, talk, talk. I have to change the string. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God, man. Yeah, yeah. I go, dude. You know, treat your guitar like a lady. I used to tell him back in the day, treat your guitar like a lady. Don't treat it like a piece of shit. You know what I mean? But, you know, uh, Manny was Manny. So he did what he had to do. There you go. I have uh, a... Going back to Wally. I just want to... Because Juan de la Cruz, they played here in the States. Oh, yeah. Yeah. A tour. Maybe oh gosh, that was a long time already. And uh, three head three headed dog, we opened for them in San Diego and and L.A. Mm-hmm. And the, the gig in San Diego was this small diner style bar, dive bar diner. Okay. Small lang. What they're used to playing in Manila. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So the band was. Uh, Pepe Smith, Wally, Wally Gonzalez, uh, Mike Hanopol, and then Nides Aranza Mendez, the drummer okay. of Session, the live album. Yeah, yeah. He was, because he lives here in the States now, so they got him for the, the U.S. tour. <clears throat> who, pl- who played the bass? Who played the bass? Uh, Mike. Mike Hanopol. Ah, he did. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Okay. Dude, that was the first time I ever saw Juan de la Cruz, pare. And they really? were that. And they were one of the heaviest band I have I have ever watched in my life. They were so heavy. They were so goddamn heavy. This drummer Nides Nides Aranza Mendes. Oh my god, this guy's probably in his seventies already. But goddamn man, goddamn. I can't god imagine. Damn, goddamn the pusher man. I have never seen such a heavy. They are the heaviest Filipino band. I have ever seen more heavy than Wolfgang than Razorback than any metal band in the Philippines. Juan de la Cruz is the pare. Fuck shit, pare. They 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 were from the uh, era of the real deal. You know what the I mean? The real deal. They they are the real deal, pare. How 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 else can you describe them? <laughs> you know? We were there, and and you know, and it was a, it was everyone. It there was hardly anyone in that show because it was San Diego. Not a lot of yeah. Filipinos in that area. The show in LA was m- more people, so it was just us. It was an intimate gig, and we were like me and Dave, like, God damn, it's Juan de la Cruz, man. It's Juan de la Cruz. How lucky are we to have seen this this band before, you know, before Pepe passed away, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and bet. like I said, they, I think Juan de la Cruz is the heaviest Filipino band there ever was. I, I think. Mean, Man. They influenced every, uh, almost everybody, okay? I mean, their contemporaries were Maria Cafra, which was not as heavy. They were more into the rock and roll thing. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Okay, and then you had bands like, uh, well, back in the day, Sina Rene, uh, Red Fox, and then um, before you remember Circus Band, okay? Yeah, I heard uh, of them. Circus, Circus Band had their bassist, Paco Gamboa, who played for me for a few years in the early 2000s. They had a band, and their singer was Pabs Dadibas. Yeah. Okay, I, I don't remember... Oh, um, uh, what was their name? Something unknown. Uh, parang classic unknown. Okay. But before they formed, uh, before the, uh, uh, not super unknown. Super unknown is an album of, uh, Sound of uh, Soundgarden, right? Yeah. yeah. Something unknown. Uh, they were during the time of Red Fox. Red Fox was known to be Uh, Rolling Stones emulating band. These mm-hmm. guys did Grand Funk Railroad. Holy shit. Yeah, dude. Yeah. I'm oh. your captain and all that stuff. That right? Way before we're an American band. The yeah, early yeah. Grand Funk. Early Grand you know? Funk. Yeah. That's that's the name that's the name of the band. Something unknown. Pops Daddy was was the singer. Paco Gamboa was the uh, bassist. And then if I am not mistaken, Walter Kalinawan the drummer also of Circus Band, mm-hmm. was the drummer who had also passed. See, Walter has passed already. Mm-hmm. I forget who the guitarist was. I forget uh, and, who the guitarist was. I mean, that's why that's why I started this <laughs> podcast also, so I can hear stories like these, man. Because, Good idea. Because Good idea. I, you know, now I regret not seeing Rene Garcia. Now that you... <laughs> because, in, because I know your taste. I know, I trust that When you say he was fucking good, I, I can I, I know that you're I know what you're talking about. Yeah. And uh, so yeah, I mean, and I think these people and you as well and everyone I'm interviewing, that's why I want to I I want to do this. And I I especially been doing interviews with the DJs with you Bob Maguheim and and the doctor. Because you're just as equally equally as important as music, because you are delivering the music. That's right. That is so right. You know, uh, to add to what you just said, uh, Crosby, Stills and Nash came here in 2015. Right. 20, yeah, 2015 or 2016. Mm-hmm. So the the producer, the pr- producer of the show was Renan Degia of uh, of Asian Productions. Yeah. So I asked him if. Uh, I could go backstage and meet uh, Crosby, Stills, and Nash. And he said, Pare, come, because I am asking all the DJs mm. to come back and meet them. Because Renan De Gia was a DJ himself back in RJAM, back in the early Ooh. 70s. He started as a DJ when he was still in UST. Oh, okay. okay. And from there, you know, the rest is history. He started producing concerts, and then he had his own brand, Ovation. Ovation, okay. Ovation yeah. Ovation, and uh, he had, remember when we were still uh, top, uh, do, do, top 40 apparel, apparel. Okay, and then the, there was Pop Station, the record bar, if you remember that, right. the competitor of Odyssey. Yeah. But anyway, so Renan said, join us back here, because there are other DJs here. Ramon was there, the doctor, Bob Magoo was there, the RJ guys, okay, mm-hmm. Bob Magoo, Cousin Hoagie, okay, you had... Um, Mike Llamas, uh, Stony Burke. Stony Burke, yeah. Okay. And so you had, uh, we were six DJs, okay? Uh, Hoagie, six or five? No, five. 
me, Ramon, Bob Magu, Kasin Hogi, and uh, Stony Burke. Okay, so we were all RJ DJs once upon a time. So when they finally came into the to the dressing room, it was uh, Graham Nash first, and then uh, Stephen Stills, and then David Crosby. Nice. Graham Nash immediately came to us, all of us, all five of us. He goes, "Thank you for playing our music here." Wow. Thank you for making us what we are here. Super nice guy, bud. Yeah, super he, nice yeah. guy. You know, so uh, so you know, I mean that that that's related to what you just said. You know, if not for the DJs from before, and uh, till the end of NU one hundred seven, and even now for Jam eighty eight point three, we wouldn't know all these classic acts. Yeah, you know, that gave us our influences. Yeah, man. I mean, I mean. DJs to me, I think I think nowadays DJs are not as popular. Yeah. Because radio DJs. Radio DJs, yeah. Just because not you know, not as many people listen to the radio anymore. They don't really care because they can do it on Spotify, you can Correct. listen to anything you want. Yeah. But for for someone like me, I grew up on, with DJs, man. I, yeah. I grew up with I grew up with fucking Jeremiah Jr., Vincent Price, the art <laughs> exactly. And yeah. then I even si Bob Magoo, man. I mean, yeah. and then uh, and and then the thing is, they had all these cool names. Yes. All the name, you know, it's like now it's all DJ Ann, DJ Shirley, DJ Tony. It's like, dude, come on, man. They they lost they lost the uh, they lost the fire in the they names. Lost they lost fire, man. It's like, what do you want? What is your identity, man? Exactly, exactly. You know, and even when I was still in when I was still in uh, in uh, radio, you had in NU in NU 107, you had. Uh, people coming in there with just uh, using their first names as uh, as uh, on-air names, as uh, yeah. you know, uh, what, what did you call it? Not uh, handle. Handle is for CB. Uh, on-air name, okay? Yeah, on-air. Yeah, like, yeah. Calls, like me, I name. I don't know. <laughs> something like that. Okay, yeah. I forget the term. But anyway, uh, like look at Ramon. Ramon is the doctor. There's character there. You had Bob Magoo. Okay, yeah. you knew it was an air name. Okay. Yeah. Uh, what was uh, what was Jaime? Uh, later on, he was the Gaucho. The Gaucho. And then in the early Jim. days, he was Big Jim. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And uh, even in the early days, in the early days of RJ, you had Charlie Brown. Okay. Who who thought of the name Pinoy Rock and Rhythm? It was him, Emil Quinto. Wow. Well, that was his real name. He passed he passed away already. Uh-huh. Emil Quinto, he was in he was in RJ since the late sixties, uh, and then you had um, names like Double A, Alan Austin. Double A, right? yeah, yeah. Uh, Bob Magoo, there's Howlin' Dave. You had the Howlin Mad Man. You, you, yeah, you had the Mystery Man. But who are these guys? You know, never yeah. mind who they were in real life, but yeah. you you painted you painted a picture of what they were, of who they were. You know, you had you imagine in their head, like if you think of Bob Magoo, now that I think of it, Pari, when I first met Bob Magoo, he was probably the closest look I had to a, a, a DJ imagination. Oh, I really? never I never thought Howland Day would look like what he was. 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah right. I, yeah. I never thought Jeremiah Jr. Pare, who's a good friend of mine, by the way. Yeah. I never thought he he was who he was. I thought he was this big dude, okay, who yeah, had the big me voice. Too. <laughs> you know, Pare. Me too. And then this little comes. I'm like, dude, because I met him once. I met him once. Okay. And then, of course, I got starstruck because when he started talking, I was like, well, you're the guy in the radio when I was a kid, man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I got all exactly. You know, but so then in, in comes, yeah. and in comes this guy. Small guy with a big voice. I'm like, wow, cool, yeah. man. <laughs> in comes this guy. Oh, this is Jeremiah Jr., by the way. I was... I was looking at uh, taller than him. Then I had to look down <laughs> because he's he's like five one something yeah, like that, yeah. you know. But man, yeah, he was like he had the the voice, his big voice, you know. Oh yeah, uh, Vincent Price also another friend of mine. See Vince. Yeah. Vince, yeah, I know Vince uh, too. Eric Kane, you know, yeah, the names Kane. like Eric Kane. But oh, you know Johnny my, Cesar. You know my my one of my favorites. Not as a DJ, but his his call sign is the ghost. Oh, Manolet. Yes, Manolet. The ghost, the ghost with the most. I'm like, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Manolet. The ghost with the most. Yep. You know, and then nowadays you have DJ Ganito, like you said, DJ. I mean, I listen to her every day, okay? And she looks damn good too. Her name is DJ Jamie of RJ. She's drive time. She's the drive time announcer. Okay. She looks she looks really good. Super cute, super super cute lady, and really nice too. You know, uh, DJ Jamie. But uh, to me, she could have no, thought of a better name. There's no she mystery. Thought of a, yeah, like you know, uh, again, you there's know, no you, mystery. You're right. I'm, I'm DJ Shadow Boxer. Like whoa, why? You know? Yeah, I know, I know, I know. That's the thing. That's the thing with the DJ names. It's like. When I first heard Bob Magoo, it's like, why is he Bob Magoo? You know, there's the mysteries right there on, in his, with his name. It's like, why did yeah. he, for me, I did, that's how I, you know, I'm, I'm nerdy yeah. with, with that kind of stuff. It's like, why did he name himself Bob Magoo? I yeah. guess he's Robert, but why the Magoo? Does he in like the me? early, <laughs> in the early days of RJ, I'm talking RJ, because they had the, they had the coolest names. You had a guy by the name of Captain Hook. Captain. Okay, but this was way early, maybe 69, 70, we're talking like that. And then if you had a if you had a cool name already, mm-hmm. then you can use it. Right. Like for example, they had a DJ named uh, Jake Taylor. But that was his real name, right. Jake Taylor. I met him about 2 years ago, you know? And then uh Hoagie, Hoagie Pardo, okay? Cousin Hoagie. Hoagie. Cousin Hoagie, you know. Yeah. Uh, he, and that was a cool name right there. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Dante David, his last name was David, so Howlin' Dave. Howlin' Dave. Yeah. <laughs> Howlin' Dave, with my first band, Hysteria, with Edmond, we were in RJ Jr. Jam. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I Saturday remember that. Yeah. After, Saturday afternoon, and uh, Howlin' Dave was the host. And yeah. it took a liking to us because we were playing the the, the heavier stuff of that time, Def Leppard, yeah. White Snake. Yes. And, and and then he would when 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 he would get used to us. Okay, hysteria is playing again. So he would he would make our intro like he was introing us in fucking Wembley Stadium, you know. And there was it yeah. was just friends in front of us. <laughs> he was like, ladies and gentlemen from Manila, please welcome hysteria. And all, all our friends were like, woohoo, yay! 
But you know, that's uh, one of the things. Like, holy shit, that felt good. Yeah. yeah. That's one of the things he taught me about it. Because the guys who trained me in RJ were uh, the doctor, okay, Bob Magoo, Howlin' Dave, and uh, you remember, do you remember Baba Balse? Oh, yeah, Baba, no, yeah. No. November 27. That was her air name, November 27. Oh. Because uh, she had the same birthday as Jimi Hendrix. So oh, anyway. Nice. Uh, Dante, Howlin' Dave, comes into the booth one time. He goes, Pari, here's a tip I will give you, okay? So that it inspires you. When, once you open that microphone, mm. once you turn that microphone on, think that you're talking to 100,000 people, Okay. Not just to one or not just to a handful. Yeah. Think that you're talking to the whole country. Man, that really helped me. That yeah. really helped me. So that's what he did when he introduced you guys. He thought that he was talking to a whole stadium party. Yeah, Look it felt it. like it. I was like, why is he? Why? I mean, it, it was the first time that I felt like, wow, this guy who doesn't know me is excited about me. It felt mm-hmm. good, you know. He made me feel, yeah. you know, you know. Yeah, he gave you guys the inspiration for that yeah. for that particular gig. The confidence, yeah, and the inspiration. Yeah. All right. So before we end, I want to tell you a story. Cool. Your, your, yeah. your 45 minutes turned into two and a half hours, dude. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> it it didn't feel like it at all. But anyway, yeah, yeah. go ahead. So anyway, uh, this is about the breed, and mm-hmm. my first my first and only. Acid trip. Okay. okay. <laughs> With LSD, okay? Minko was your drummer at this time. All right. And, and it was already, at, by this time, yeah, Kaleo was still a little popular. It was still popular, but it was a kind of dead night on Wednesday. That particular night was kind of uh, okay. sparks, you know. Okay. So it was my first and only acid trip. And we started off in Pasay with, with the... With the with the Coco Jam people, and they have a hangout there, um, the the Bosch residence. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Pepito Bosch, and yeah, um, yeah. So it was it was me and Kevin Roy, and Miguel Ortigas was our, our Ninong. He was taking care of us, making sure we don't freak out, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His brother Inyaki. So we start off in in that house. Ah, uh, Inyaki was with you guys at the time. He was in. He was with us. It was him and Miguel. They were taking care of me and Kevin. Okay. Okay. So we go to uh, because I I had a car and you know I didn't want to drive on acid. So it's like Inyaki, can you be my driver tonight? To you know whatever. So um, yeah. So we start off in that house and then everybody gets bored because but me and me and Kevin are already tripping. So we're not bored. We're already tripping. But the, everyone else who is a little so more sober than us. We're like, let's go. Time to go. It's ten ten thirty. Let's go out. Who's, who's playing? Wednesday, we're going to the breed, Kalye. And then me and Kevin were like, oh, we're going to watch the breed right now. <laughs> you know, we were starting to fly. We were starting to take off, man. I'm like, what the breed? My name Ador right now. Uh, I don't know, man. Shit. It's like because oh, okay, I'll take care of you guys. Let's go. So okay, we go to we go to Kalye, and you guys are playing already, man. And uh, it was actually full on the side of the bar. You were, we were, you were guys who were already playing at the far end. They, you know, it wasn't here by the door. It was still at okay. the. Far. 
Okay, okay. And the uh, and the the side the bar was there's a lot of people at the bar, but the tables were a little empty. So I go to the bar and my hair's down. I still had long hair, and dude, I was already tripping, but I was already fucking going out of my mind. So I'm like, so I'm like, there's so many people, and then you guys are playing, and then we sit down. We get a table. We sit down. Miguel, me, Kevin, and then. And you're playing, dude. And I'm like, I'm hanging on to the chair for dear life. <laughs> dude. Because you know, it's the breed. It's the volume of Manny Amador. And yeah. I'm like, at, at, at the very least, I was in front of Johnny. So I wasn't getting the full Marshall stack. Yeah, the full brunt of Manny. Yeah. yeah. So, but I was hanging on for dear life, man. It felt like, it felt like fucking... Wind was just, you know, you know that ad <laughs> of TDK, the guy in the yeah, 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 exactly, like that. That was my feeling. Or the first and, scene in the first scene in Back to the Future. <laughs> you yeah, know? when yeah, Marty exactly. McFly gets blown away by the okay, dude, I was like yeah. that, hanging on to those chairs in Cali, those big wooden chairs. I'm like, yeah. oh shit! I'm shouting, ah shit! And then. The rest of the back, there was no one in the back. There's just one table here on the right. But every time you, every, when you would play, I would hear fucking the crowd noise of Wembley Stadium. <laughs> really, man? Behind me, I would hear it. I was already tripping now. I was starting to trip. So I would look behind. I would look, and there's nobody there. The, and the yeah. behind us were empty. There was no one there. I'm like, oh, shit. What the fuck? <laughs> and then you guys are still playing loud, right? And I remember Minko, he was playing his heart out, dude. Minko's a great oh, yeah. And then, yeah. <clears throat> and then, uh, and then I could hear it again. <sighs> and then I would look back. Praning, That's quite a trip, Yeah, dude. That was just the start, anyway. And then I, I, and then it would happen again when I would face you. <sighs> Then I would look back. It's like, what the fuck is happening? And then I, I remember the guy, one guy in, in another table starting to get annoyed because I was looking back at yeah. nothing. So I was like, this goddamn fucking guy's crazy. It's like, no, I'm just on LSD, my friend. I'm sorry. But <laughs> it, that's my story with the breed. That whole set, that whole set, it was probably your second set of the night. The mm-hmm. whole set I was hanging on. For dear life, I'm like, and I couldn't leave. I couldn't leave because I was stuck in there. Yeah. And, and on the chair. And then finally, you guys, you guys stop your set, break. And then yeah. the, in the in Cali, the break, everyone goes out into the street, right? That's right. And then, and then that's when the the tripping started to continue. I'm like, and then fucking Johnny comes out, and then and then uh, and then I think he goes. Balita ako, so, balita ako, may naka-acid dito. And then, and, and then I start smiling at him. He's like, tangin mo, pare, nakikinggit ka, pare. <laughs> you know, and then, but, but, and then, it, the, the trip happened, but that's my story. My first and only acid trip. I will I'm glad, I'm breed. glad we, I'm glad we gave you a good trip, pare. Yeah, dude. It was, it was amazing, man. I, I have never felt that intensity ever <laughs> you know i mean Good, that's just it. never i've never because i've never had anything stronger than lsd you know but yeah 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 it, man i mean so so that's my that's my breed story so great thanks great. carly and anytime bro
Uh, it's I, been a pleasure. It's been a pleasure recounting all those wonderful years. You know. What what's your what's your jerseys at Lazio? Uh, actually, I don't know. But you don't. Know. <laughs> Who is that? Is that the one? Yeah, I think that's Lazio. That's uh, okay. Italian. Yeah. All right. <laughs> These were given to me by my nephew, Paris. So. Oh, so he's the football fan, I guess. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There you go. Well, anyway, so, Charlie Y, ladies and gentlemen, WDRS Talk, Charlie Y, one of the great singers of Pinoy Rock and one of the great you, DJs of Pinoy Radio. Such a pleasure, man. Thanks a lot, buddy. It's right. been uh, great talking to you. I'll catch and, you soon, uh, okay? Take care, man. Once you get that fucking vaccine, get it, man. Oh, yes, definitely. For sure. Thanks a lot, Wolf. Thank you, you. you take care and stay safe. huh? Peace, you, brother. Bro. Peace, okay. man. Right. Bye. Early. Thank you. Bye.